Rini Scorciani, I'm at Lottie's, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's, and I'm excited about today's show, because it's gonna rock. gonna be all sunshine and roses but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride Hey, Shyhards, welcome back to episode 47 of Meet Us at Molly's. It's our first episode post Chicago Heroes event. Sad face. Um, yeah, Brian and sad I are like face. sad face. Brian and I are super sad to not be recording in the same room right now like we're so sad but that's okay um yeah so as always i'm gina i'm joined by brina hi hello uh yeah we've got a lot to talk about today a lot so much to talk about all of the things okay so first off to all of our new followers because since last week we've gained probably about 70 80 new followers yeah like yeah yes hello welcome we are so happy to have you aboard yeah Welcome to the family. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. We're so. going to, we, and like you said, this is going to be a normal, pretty, actually, this isn't really a normal episode, but you'll get used to us. Yeah. You'll get very used to us. Just, you know, but yes, welcome. We're so happy to have you here. Always get in touch with us. We love to hear from you. But yes, big hello and welcome to all of our new subscribers. Guys, if you like the show, please rate and review us. Please, please, please. Yeah. Anyway, so let's run down the agenda. Obviously, this is our first episode back from the Heroes event, so we're a little like, uh, how do we do this normally again? (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah, I was just telling you right before we started recording, I was like, wait, we haven't done a Skype thing in, like, feels like five ever, but, like, it's really been, like, three weeks. I'm like, how do we do this? Like, I have to pull Skype? What? Huh? Yeah. Huh? Like, (laughs) so funny. Okay, so here's the agenda for tonight. So we're going to talk about the news. Then we're going to talk about day three of the Chicago Heroes event. This was the Monday that pretty much all of us left. We're going to talk about day three. And then we're going to do our quick hits for Chicago Med that aired this week. Season three, episode eh? I don't know. I never remember the numbers because I'm terrible. Three, ten? Maybe? I'll look it up real quick. Okay. So, yeah, we're going to recap day three of the Chicago Heroes event. Then we're going to talk Chicago Med. And then we're going to talk crossover. And it's like comprehensive crossover talk. Just, yeah. So, all right, here we go. Just hang on tight. We're going to do this. Okay. First bit of news. So, we got an episode description for Chicago Fire Season 6, Episode 16. This is the episode airing on March 29th. And this is called The One That Matters Most. Bryna, would you like to give us a paraphrase? Yeah. So basically, um, Herman, along with other members of House 51, struggle to come with to terms with an injury to one of their own um, and then must deal with the new temporary replacement, which is guest star Damon Diub. Um, Bowden ponders some interesting news while Kid has a hard time keeping a secret. Um, and then of note, Brian T., who plays Choi, is guest starring. Melissa Ponzio, who is Donna, and Gary Cole, who is, fuck, what is this? Chief Grissom. Chief Grissom. Yeah, so they're all guest starring. Sweet. I mean, not sweet about the injury, because I think we've all figured out who it is, but still, I don't yeah. know. It's going to be tough times coming up on fire. Like, I'm not ready for this. That two-hour movie event, though, that promo, oh my god. It's going to destroy us. Yeah, that's going to be a 
I better be home that night. You you should make sure you're home that night. Clear that schedule. <laughs> Shit. I need I to look at my schedule. I think I am, but we'll see. So that leads us into the next little talking point we have, which is the promo photos for the two-hour fire airing on March 22nd. Holy shit. Oh, my God. If you guys haven't seen them yet, I just. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's. Yeah. We tweeted some of them, but they're all over Twitter. Um, yeah. They're emotional. Very, very they're heartbreaking. They make it quite obvious from the promo photos who gets hurt. Uh, should we just say it? I mean, if you've listened to our recaps, you probably know. If you listen to. Yeah. If you listen to any of our stuff over the last like week or so, you probably know who it is. It's so sad. But those promo photos are awful. The one that kills me, I mean, anytime 51 is, like, worried at med, that kills me. But the one that really killed me was the freaking shot of Cruz in church. Yeah. That one was, oh, my God. You sent that to our group text, and that's, like, how I woke up on Friday morning. And I was like, this is not the way I want to wake up on a Friday morning. Like, this hit me in my Friday feels so hard. This is not okay. It's uh, just, that two-hour episode is going to hurt. Yeah hurt and the fact that they're calling it like a movie event so it's clearly going to be a seamless transition from the first hour to the second hour oh my god i know wait gina what if they left like that's how they leave i mean granted there's not much of a cliffhanger but like that what if that's like the way the first hour ends is with said injury happening yeah well i mean at least we're gonna i mean it's it's kind of a moot point then because we're going to know that we're going to get resolution right in the second hour. Right, I know, but still, I'm just like, oh. Well, and I'm wondering if this was, wasn't the original plan not to have a two-hour episode? Right, I don't think it was. So I don't think I think that was only less. kind of made, I think that was a decision that was only made once it was announced that Station 19 was doing two hours on the same night. They're doing two hours on the same night? Yeah, they're opening, their premiere is that night and they're doing a, two-hour um thing i knew their premiere was that night i didn't realize it was going to be two hours that's why that that's i think that's why the decision regarding fire was made was so they can compete both hours i know i need to like lighten up about station 19 but i'm just like looking at that show and i'm like who do they think they are like i'm gonna give it a chance but like i'm still kind of pissed at Shonda right now for the that casting news that broke on Thursday, Friday. Oh my god. I yeah. What it was International Women's Day? Thursday? Yes. Yeah. No. Okay, uh, so on Thursday. Yeah, no, maybe it was Thursday. It was one of the days of the crossover. I remember that. But yeah, so I'm still a little pissed at Shonda for that news. So I don't really know how I feel about Station 19, but I'll watch it. I'm just never gonna watch it live. I mean, a little pissed. I feel like Grey's fans have the right to be, like, super ridiculous pissed. Oh, I am pissed. I'm more, yeah, I'm, oh, I'm pissed. I just, like, yeah. This is not the time to talk about that. But, yes, I am it's pissed not. about it. For the new listeners out there, Bryna and I do watch other things, contrary to popular belief. And, yeah, we all three watch Grey's. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I know what's happening. I haven't watched it, watched it in a while, but I know what's oh. happening. Yeah, well, Ashley and I, like, watch it, watch it. Yeah. So we're talking about the super effed up casting news that happened this week over on Grey's. But that's not our shows. So we just yeah. won't worry about that right now. But no. but yeah, so the point being was the reason we got on this was Station 19 is airing two hours that night. So I think Fire wanted to try to compete with them and air two hours that night. Yeah. That's just, it's going to be a very rough two hours. 
grab all the wine, grab all the tissues, grab all the popcorn, grab all the ice cream. We're going to need it. Grab all of your devices that have access to Twitter because you're not going to want to do that alone. Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, man. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of all caps tweets coming from our accounts that night. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ooh. Anyway, so the last bit of news we had, it wasn't, we didn't have a lot of like news news. We had kind of little pieces here that we wanted to touch well, we on. Had so. a lot, they had a lot of news, but a lot of it was so much preview for the crossover that it doesn't make it worth mentioning in the news section of the episode because we're just going to talk about the crossover later on. That's true. That's true. So like we did get a lot of news and there was a lot of things we talked about, but so much it, so much of it was like preview of this scene and we were like, okay, well that's great. Yeah. Like it just doesn't apply now. No. So... Uh, in Derek's Q&A from March 4th, so this was last weekend, wasn't it, when we were in Chicago? Yeah, that was the Sunday morning we were in Chicago, yeah. D- Derek's Q&As have been really interesting lately. Did you read the one today, today being Sunday, the day we record? Did you read today's? I, I did read it today. Derek was feisty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The first- I feel like he's had a lot of fans in his mention after this crossover, so this was his way of being, like, feisty without actually being, like rude he was pretty feisty this morning the first question up was about a dossie baby and i think the question was like we've been waiting forever so derek's response was well how much more time do you have like <laughs> yeah, that's what i'm saying is i feel like all the fans have been up in his mentions recently about that specifically because i was having a conversation with somebody on twitter and like we'll talk about we can talk about this a little bit when we get to the crossover but like Somebody on Twitter was saying, I think it was Vicky. Yeah, it was Vicky I was having the conversation with. She was mentioning how, um, like, fans were pissed because we got Halstead on a motorcycle. And, like, they're still waiting for, um, like, Dossie Baby. And I was, like, I tweeted back at her. And I was, like, yeah. Like, I mean, I guess I understand being upset. But I was, like, at the same time, Halstead on a motorcycle is literally one small part of a scene. Whereas Dossie Baby literally alters the entire show. Yeah. Like, you can't just, like, work that in that easily. Halstead on a motorcycle was, like, five seconds of a scene. True. Like, it's not that hard to give that to fans. No, he can roll up to an explosion on a motorcycle. Dossie can't just roll up to an explosion and be like, look, we found a baby. (laughs) I mean, they could. Uh, Dawson especially could. And it, it would be totally plausible, but... You know. Right. But, like, literally a Dossie baby alters the entire trajectory of the show. Yeah. Like, you can't just drop that in. No. So, yeah. But I was just, like, apparently people on the internet have been, like, pissy about that. And I'm like, give it time. Dossie baby. We all know Dossie baby's going to happen. Just, like, let, I'd rather it. And I'd rather it come naturally in the story or what for these characters anyway than just because fans want it. Like, I don't want it forced down my throat. Right. So, yeah. But I feel like Derek's gotten a lot of that heat. So. I don't know. So. But Derek's Q&A last week, he had an interesting question. And, of course, we were at the con, so we couldn't really run with this the way we wanted. But, yeah. Another show that all three of us watch that is not One Chicago is One Tree Hill. We all eat, sleep, and breathe One Tree Hill. And somebody asked in Derek's Q&A last week about Casey's guilty pleasure. And Derek's like, oh, it's watching One Tree Hill. (laughs) And so I think most people on the internet were like, haha, that's funny, moving on. But, like, you can't give that to the three of us and not expect us to run with it. Yeah. Just. Yeah, and especially because last week we were making all of these, like, 
Severide, One Tree Hill crossover. Like, we were just making a bunch of One Tree Hill crossover references last week um, in all of our, and I think in our episode 44, like, that news, ep- like, we were just making all these, like, One Tree Hill crossover references. So, like, the fact that then this dropped, like, later that weekend was just, like, too perfect. It was so funny. So here's my theory. I think Casey has watched it. I think Dawson thinks he's ridiculous for it. And I think Brett has already seen it. So Casey and Brett have moments in passing where Casey's like, I'm on this season and this just happened. And Brett's like, oh my God, that's so good. That's the best theory ever. That's what What I do you think. What do you think is Casey's favorite season? Ooh, okay. I didn't think about favorite season. Hold on. Let me think about this. Cause like you all, like, I mean, like I definitely have my favorite season. Um, Let's yeah. go with six. You think season six is his favorite? Why would you think it's his favorite? Oh, I don't know. I feel like one of the earlier seasons is probably his favorite. I feel like Casey is one of those like purists that like once the show changed and had its time jump that he was like, maybe I could get behind this, but like I still like the earlier seasons better. Oh, that's yeah, that's true. I don't know. I think he liked six because six had kind of a bit of a lighter tone. And then that finale is like probably one of the best episodes of the entire series. That's all true. Yeah. 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 Um, I think he definitely ships the crap out of Naley. (laughs) Yeah. Because who doesn't? He probably thinks Lucas is a pain in the ass. Team Brooke or Team Peyton? Oh. For Casey? Yeah. Peyton. No, wait. No, he's Team Brooke. He's probably like, when he watches it, he's probably like, hey, that Brooke girl, she looks a lot like Erin. Yeah, Yeah, Casey's probably Team Brooke. Because, you know, I I could just see him being like, I just want Brooke to have a happy ending. And Dawson being like, would you shut up and go to work? (laughs) Which is funny, and he probably that's probably what he gets into debates about with Brett about because Brett is probably a Team Peyton person. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I bet you Brett ships Layton. Yes, but she also probably ships Naley. I mean, who doesn't ship Naley? I know. Let's be real. If you don't ship Naley, something's wrong with you. True story. And then I bet I bet Casey, like, watches the scenes with Naley and Jamie just kind of, like, longingly, but will never say anything to Oh, my Dawson. God. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. And that's the other reason why he's Team Brooke is because Brooke adopts uh, Angie and then uh, Sam. And so oh that's probably God. why he's Team Brooke yes. is because he kind of feels that. Well, and then later on, depending on how far Casey is, when Brooke and Julian have the twins, so. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. See, you can't drop something like this about, like, yeah, you can't drop something One Tree Hill related and not expect us to just have a field day. I know. Come on, Derek. I know. Although Casey doesn't strike me as, like, the sporting type. Or, like, he probably didn't play sports in high school, is what I think. So you don't think he relates to Nathan and Lucas on that level, like, with the basketball stuff? No, I think he, given his family background, he probably relates more to Lucas on that part. But he doesn't seem very sporty. Like, oh, because he's a mama's boy, even though his mama ended up in jail. Whoops. Yeah. This game is fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
and Dawson's just coming home each night being like, are you watching that fucking show again? Like, Well, and it also kind of fits our theory about which one's which because we said Nathan would be more like Severide because of the Playboy aspect. Well, no, I kind of considered Severide more of a Lucas because he didn't have the privileged upbringing. Yeah, I guess, but the Playboy aspect is just such a hard part to ignore. That's true. Although Nathan really calmed down after Peyton, and Peyton was only a, like the, the first couple episodes, really. That's true. That's true. I guess he just had that more of that, like, it, even though he calmed down, he still had that reputation. It's true. So. I don't know. If you guys have any other One Tree Hill and Casey theories about, like, you know, <laughs> any other one shows Hill that... and one Chicago theories just yeah this. or if you what shows you think other cast members might watch or like other characters might watch yeah because we know that um Cruz and Otis and Brett they like having their like movie nights which probably means they like to binge things together so what do you think Dawson likes to watch I bet you Dawson's one of those people that likes to read versus rather watching tv yeah I could see that I feel like out of everyone that. in the firehouse, I feel like she would be the reader versus, like, the person who doesn't watch TV. You feel like I everyone see her... else watches TV versus yeah. her, except for her. I could totally see her watching Project Runway, like, late at night, though, just as, like, a guilty pleasure, just background noise. Probably. But I don't think she's, like, the one who's kept in the loop on, like, what's cool on Netflix and things like that. <laughs> right, right. Like, that is not her. Well... Yeah, if you guys have any theories like that, just, like, fun, stupid theories, whatever, just send them our way. We just like to goof around. Yeah. So, as always, if you guys see any news or anything, please send it our way. There's only three of us most of the time. There's been two of us recently. We miss Ashley so much. I know. So much. Um, Yeah, send it to us if you see any news. Just tweet it to us, email it to us, however. We're bound to miss something, so that's always great if you guys send stuff to us. So... The other thing we wanted to talk about, or one of the other things we wanted to talk about, was we wanted to recap day three of the Chicago Heroes event. Uh, Episodes 45 and 46 were our day one and day two recaps. Yes. So, but we did stuff the Monday we left, too, and that's something we wanted to touch on. So, Brenna, do you want to start us off? Yeah, so that Monday we got up, well, slowly got up because we were tired and we wanted to sleep in a little bit. Um, which is why we didn't end up making it to filming. Because we talked about going to see filming. Um, and Gene and I had this plan. We're like, okay, we're going to get up at 7, be out the door at 8, like, you know, have the whole morning. Whatever. That didn't happen. We were, like, maybe an hour behind. Um, we were so tired. But, yeah, so we didn't make it to filming. Um, but we had breakfast. And then we went and met up with our friends um, Heather and Zoe. And we met them, and we all Ubered together, and we went – the first place we went was went to Firehouse 51, guys. Oh, my God. It was awesome. It was so cool. And, yeah, so we went there. And at first, it didn't look like anyone was there because there was nothing in the base. So we were, we were like, okay, well, that's fine. Like, you know, we'll just take pictures outside, whatever. Um, but then who pulled up? One of the command – the somebody pulled up yeah i don't somebody pulled who. up in a boat in lake car <laughs> a boat that's car. all i know yeah, i don't know and, who I mean, he is we were in... trying to play it cool 
And we were like, all right, well, we're just taking pictures. So clearly this is nothing they've never seen before. It's no big deal. And then the guy got out and I was like, fuck it. Like, we're here. I'm just going to ask. ask. Yeah. Right. No harm in asking. No. And so um, I asked. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, yeah. So Gina asked and he was like, he was like, well, let me just see if like anybody's here. He's like, I don't want you to just like let you guys in. But like if somebody's here, then like you guys can come in. Um, so we opened the door and somebody was there, like one, some, one person was there cooking. Um, so he was like, yeah, 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 come on in. Um, and it's so cool in there. Um, so at first we were just kind of walking around, um, in the, I don't know what to call What is the like Bay area called? Like the roll-up bay. It's, it's the roll-up bay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, I know I knew I was missing the roll-up part. Um, and they have like all these, even like in that part in the hallway, like they have all this these pictures in the history of the firehouse. And so like on one side of the wall, they have like house 51 and they have different pictures of the house and things like that. And then right above the door to go into like the main hallway and stuff, they have this like huge thing of like all these different fires. Um, I guess that they've worked, but like all these really cool, like artsy fartsy photos of the fire. And it's, it's so cool. Um, and they still use the roll-up bay. Like, they, that's, like, one of the cool things that they were telling us. Um, so they still film outside, so they still use the exterior of the firehouse, and they still use the roll-up bay on occasions, um, but they don't use the rest of the house for filming. So, like, to see, be like, oh, they've actually used this roll-up bay before, like, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so we did that, and then we just started walking, or, like, we pretty much, like, I mean, we definitely talked to some of the firefighters and the ones we did, Sam and John, were really great. Um, but they kind of just let us also just kind of walk around and, like, do our own thing, which is fine. As long as we stayed out of the way, then, like, we were fine to do whatever. So then we went and started looking down the hall, right? That's what we started doing. Yeah, I mean, because they, yeah, they let us have free reign pretty much. And, of course, when we went in, like, the first thing we saw was the kitchen area. And so, of course, we geeked out about that, too. But, yeah, we walked up and down the halls. And, I mean, they let us do our own thing. But then I think at a certain point, some of them joined us and were like, so do you guys have any questions or anything? And we just got to, like, it was just, like, a normal conversation. At first, we were like, well, no, not really. And then the conversation just developed. And it turned out we did have a bunch of questions. Right. And And I think there's – yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, there's so much history in that house. Yeah. Like, because weren't they saying they were one of the very first houses? Um, and they've been around since, like, the 1800s, like, late 1800s? I think so. I remember here, I remember one of them telling us that it was the first, one of the first houses around after the Great Chicago Fire. Yeah. So that's pretty freaking awesome. Um, and I think it was just really cool, too, to, like, hear their interactions, like, with the show and stuff. And so, like, everyone we talked to, we were like, oh, have you, like, been on the show? And they were like, yeah, um, you know, just, like, doing extra work and stuff. And we were like, oh, well, like, did you – would you do it again? Like, did you like it? And they all said no, which I think is really <laughs> interesting just because, like, they all said the same thing. They were like, it's really long hours and, like, the pay is not that great <laughs> um, for what they – like, for what they were doing and what they had to put into it. Um, so I just thought that was so interesting. Like they were like, it's a cool experience. And like, it wasn't because the people were bad or anything. It was just the hours are really long and you know, it wasn't really worth the money for them. So, yeah. But I think it's also cool cool that like everyone, like, I think it's also cool just to see how much Chicago fire is integrated into that house. Because like I said, we talked to like three or four people and everyone of them had said like, oh yeah, like I've been on the show. So I thought Mm -hmm. that part was cool. That, like, it's really integrated in that house and, like, every 
firefighter that works there has probably had a little piece, like a part of it at some point. Yeah, and one of them, I remember, I remember asking one of them. I was like, "So, I mean, does this happen a lot?" Because there were there were a couple of other fire fans that walked in behind us later on, and he was like, "Yeah, we're just used to this. Like, people just show up and take pictures and stuff, and as long as they're not in the way, it's fine." Which, by the way, reminds me that when we were there, they got what two calls? Yeah, I was just about to point that out. They got no one call. They came back from a call while we were there, and then they got called out again. Something like that. Yeah, we were mid-conversation with uh, John, I think it was. I think I Sam we was. Mid- oh, no. Yeah, we were mid-conversation with John. That's who it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we were talking to John, and we were just kind of picking his brain, and he was just, you know, spewing facts. It was awesome. And the alarm went off. Now, <laughs> it doesn't sound anything like the alarm on the show. No, but it is like a woman's voice doing it. Yes. And it's a lot longer than it is in the show. Like, they give more details than they do in the show. Yeah, that too. That too. Yeah. I noticed, like, it didn't startle me. Did it startle you? No. It was a lot. Because I don't think they do the, like, you know, in the show they do the, like, ding, ding, like the dong thing or whatever like I don't think they did that I think it was just like yeah there's still like an alarm sound to it but it's not there was yeah there's it's not as abrupt though because I like I'll be watching the show sometimes and if I'm like rewatching and I forget the alarm bell happens and I like flinch and I'm like oh shit I forgot about that but it wasn't startling at all and so the alarm went off and all four of us were like and so like our firefighter buddy John he was just like kind of listened to it and I think it was something for, like, an automatic alarm. Yeah, it, it was. was. something simple. So the guy was like, well, we're leaving our cook here, so we're going to go. You guys are welcome to stay. We'll be back. And we were like, all right. And they just pretty calmly left. And that's how we met Sam is because Sam was the cook who stayed behind. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, he was telling us, and we were like, well, like, weren't you supposed to go? Like, what were you doing? And he was telling us that, like, if it was some kind of call like that where it's just pretty routine and, like, an alarm went off um, that wasn't supposed to, whoever was cooking lunch or, if I guess, if breakfast, if breakfast was happening, um, they can stay back and, you know, whatever. And he said that they got calls to that building all the time, so that it was fine. But obviously, like, after dinner, then, like, everybody has to go. So I thought that was interesting because, like, in the show, obviously, whoever's cooking, like, you turn things off and then, like, everybody goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because how many times did Mills run out of, like, in the middle of a meal while he was cooking, like, all the time? So I thought that was interesting. um, Yeah. And then we also got to pass. Yeah. That that was interesting. And, like, Sam was cool. He was really funny. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if he's, like, the candidate or if that's, like, a real thing. I don't know. Once we left, I was like, oh, there's so many questions I could have asked. I know. I didn't – yeah, and I – like, they, their questions, like you said, like, it was something I wouldn't have asked in the moment or, like, I wouldn't have thought about in the moment. But now I'm like, oh, man, I need to go ask, like, the firehouse down the street. Like, I have all these questions I want to know. Literally. So um, – down the hall, because there's there's basically two hallways that you can kind of like go down and see all the history and everything. But then, as you pass by one of the hallways, there's that command area where you know sometimes uh, the only area that I remember it being used for was when Brett yelled at Chili after Chili got pissed at her or something. Or like Brett and Chili had a <laughs> confrontation in this area. I don't know if you remember the episode I'm trying to refer to. 
Yeah, but you're talking about like the front area, like the very front area where they had the book, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, but so they also used to, um, in the first season of Fire, I think it's the first season, when Bowden goes to the cop fire thing the first time it happened, um, and Otis goes, yeah, no, it's in the pilot, because I just rewatched re- that recently, and, like, Otis starts doing, like, his color commentary from the, like, his truck goes to watch it, um, do you remember what I'm talking about? And they're, like, yeah, sitting there listening to it over the radio, that's yeah. the other, that's the only other time I remember it really ever being used. Yeah, so we see this area, and our buddy Sam, he has this big book, and he's, like, flipping through it or something. And I noticed that there were some, like, handwritten things in there. So this, I think this is what Bowden's book from 301 is based on. Now, I was, like, super excited all weekend. And so sometimes I would just blurt things and, like, not <laughs> process a better way to ask them. Yeah. So I noticed this book. And he's flipping through it. And I'm like, so was that Bowden's book that he wrote in in season three? And Sam looks at me and goes, no, it's our book. And I'm like. <laughs> All right, I phrased that wrong. And then I hear Bryna laughing behind me. I was like, all right, all right, all right. I couldn't help it. You just, like you said, like, I think you, like, you blurted it out and I just, like, couldn't contain myself. It was just too funny. I did that a lot that weekend. I just was, like, constantly excited and was like, questions. But I also, like, I didn't really know a better way to phrase it. I also didn't just want to reach out and be like, what's this? Yeah. I didn't want to guess kicked out of the firehouse. Right. No, I bet I guess the way you would have rephrased that would have been like, oh, is this, what is this book used for? Like, in the show, they use it for this. Like, what do you, whatever, something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, I went too specific. Rather than just, because like, obviously you have to watch to be like, is this Bowden's book? And it's like, well, no, this is our book. And then it's like, <laughs> well, what kind of book? Yeah. It so. wasn't my best moment. But I, I think that's what the book is based on. I, oh, I I'm sure it is. So crazy. Um, and then, yeah, and so Sam showed us there. There's there's like an area where they have these T-shirts that benefit the firehouse. And so um, Sam talked to us a lot over there. And I think when we were talking to him there, that was when the thing came over his radio that they were like, oh, it was just an automatic alarm. We're headed back or whatever. And so we were like, oh, good. Their call went well. Like, that's good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then they also took us into like, I guess what is the equivalent of on the show the room where they have all their meetings? Mm-hmm. I don't know what to call that. The meeting, the briefing room is that what they call it? That's usually what I call it. I don't know because this didn't look like the one in Firehouse Fifty One. It doesn't look obviously anything like what they had um, in the show. So like I don't know if they actually use that for briefing rooms or just kind of like another area because there was like some desks and stuff in there. But they also have like the mouch couch like the one that i guess they used to like have in there or they used to resemble it on the show but like it looks like mouch's couch and it made us really happy so we took pictures there yeah we got to see it and yeah sam took us through there was like an area through the kitchen area that sam took us to to see the couch so that was pretty cool yeah Um, Oh, yeah, and then what about the alarm for when they get back to the firehouse? That was funny. Oh, yeah, like, so when they get back to the firehouse, um, they have to, I guess, like, hit a button to, like, ring the doorbell so that they know, whoever's in the house knows to, like, open the doors. And it's a dog barking. Yeah. It's so cute. We heard it, and I don't think any of us gave any thought to it, so we were just like, whatever, it's a noise. And then Sam was like, that's how I know they're back. And we were like, oh, 
yeah, he like ran over to like hit a button or something. He's like, yeah, that's how I know they're back. And we're like, oh, okay. That's interesting. But yeah, they were super nice guys. They showed us around. The halls had... A bunch oh my of god! Art, like, yeah, the halls had a lot of like artwork on, not artwork, but like a lot of stuff about the history of the firehouse. Because I think they moved into that firehouse only a few years ago. They their original firehouse was somewhere else, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he was telling. I want to say they moved in sometime in the mid two thousand, like mid two thousands. Um, yeah, he was telling us that their original firehouse wasn't that far from where they are now. But um, now it's turned into, like, an art studio, which is really cool. But they also kept, like, a lot of the original history um, at this art studio. So I thought that was really cool. But, yeah, the hallways were incredible. I think my favorite thing was um, – and you can see it in our, vlo- in our vlog, um, which you should go watch. It's on our YouTube page. But in our vlog, you can see it's, like, this pole thing. And they've, like, hung – using rope, they've hung all these different picture frames from it. And when we were talking to John about it, I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I was like, where did they come up with it? He's like, yeah, our captain's really into, like, looking things up on Pinterest. And so, like <laughs> – and he was telling us, he was like, when I got here – I don't remember how – or, like, when we got here. Like, when I got here. I guess he transferred houses or something. He was like, yeah, like, when I got here, there was, like, nothing on the walls. And, like, now there's all kinds of stuff on the walls. Um so that was really cool. They have, like, cards and things that people have wrote them. Um, they have, like, all the be- different badges, like, up at the top. They have a whole wall of pictures dedicated to Chicago Fire, the show, and, you know, scenes they've shot. And a lot of them are from season one. And so it's really cool because everyone looks like babies. And, you know, Yuri has all this hair. <laughs> and... Then um, like Charlie's Charlie in a bunch Bar- of them, yeah. Right, like Charlie Barnett's in a bunch of them, and it's just like, oh, babies. Lauren's yeah. in a bunch of them, so yeah. It's cool. It was a really cool experience, and they were so nice. Like, total shout-out to the firefighters at Engine 18 in Chicago. They were so nice. Yeah, and I don't get, I didn't get the name of the guy that photobombed me, but, dude, that was awesome. That was funny, too. Once we were outside, we took some pictures, and they had just gotten back from their call. And, yeah, you got photobombed, and I think Zoe got photobombed, too, which was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. So It was a lot of fun. It was a really great experience. Yeah, a lot, a lot of fun. So after we went to 51 slash actually 18, I suppose, um, yeah, after that, we walked down the block, actually, to the exterior of the 21st district, because when Herman says that they're a block apart, they really are a block apart. Yeah, and yeah, it's funny, because, like, as I was, like, re-watching the crossovers and stuff, like, whenever they had, like, exterior shots of, like, the firehouse or, like, PD, and I was like, oh, I know exactly where this is. It's, you know, like, I could just, like, picture our walk from the firehouse to the um, front or the exterior of the district. I was like, this is so cool. Yeah. The uh, the episode this week, actually, which we'll get into more detail about, but um, the scene when Bowden finally agrees to let Voight and Antonio use Gabby and Brett, and uh, right before they leave, Voight's like, well, we're going to go back to this, or we're going to go back to the station, and we'll be back in 30 minutes to pick you up. My first thought in my head, I'm like, that's, why would you leave just to come back? That's so far away. But then again, in my head, I was like, but they're on the same block. I know that now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was funny. So yeah, yeah, we walked down the block to the twenty first. And... Yeah, we got to see the outside and take some pictures. Um, the building actually belongs to the University of Illinois Chicago. Yep, it's their security office. Yeah. Um. So the like the 
the top, not the top, but like there's like a big kind of concrete arch before the, or uh, over the doorway. And so the big concrete arch says like 74th district or something like that. Yes. The, yeah. 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 And it's funny. I was like, watch, trying to watch. Cause like in the episode, in the crossover episode, when they have the scene where they evacuate everyone or whatever, and you see them like pan down from like the top of the building to whatever to like look over the crowd I was trying to see because I'm curious how they cover that up because like you can't just cover it up that easily so I'm like trying to curious like I want to start going back and like watch some old PD episodes just so I can see like if they just keep it out of frame and like only focus on like the door or like how they cover it up so yeah that's true that's a good point I wonder if they just film like they just film it so the top of that arch isn't in the exterior shots? I wonder. Right, and so, like, this one, though, where you can see the whole building um, in the crossover, like, I they kind of don't show – like, they don't get close enough for you to make out what it says. But, yeah, I noticed that it said 74th District um, in the concrete, so I was just curious how they do that. You know what else I think is interesting is when they use the exterior shots on TV, they angle it so that it looks like it's part of a huge city block. Yeah. And it's not. No, it's not. And it was just so interesting um, because you can see, I think before we visited there, I didn't realize, like, what was – because there's, like, a baseball field, like, right over, like, across the street. There's, like, a like small, like, little – I guess little league, like, baseball field or whatever. Um, but, like, I didn't never notice that that was there before. But because I had been there this time, I was like, yep, this looks exactly what it looks like. There's the baseball field. Like, it's all right there. But I would have never have noticed that before we visited so crazy and so cool to see in person yeah but we didn't go inside the 21st because i don't know what's in there and nobody like ever posts pictures from the inside so i don't think you can go in there no and our understanding is that they only use the exterior of that building they right the so 21st, there's no point right the inside is on a soundstage yeah for sure but that was really cool yeah that was cool so after the 21st slash 74th we <laughs> went over to the bean Yes. Um, I know, Brian, it was your first time. Heather and Zoe, I think it was their first as well. Yeah, I think it was for them. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun. That was my, like, one request was, like, I can't come to Chicago and not see the bean. So that was fun. And then so we walked, so we took pictures of the bean, whatever. Then they have, like, the skating rink down there. Um, and so we went and walked over there, and Heather made a comment. And she's like, oh, yeah. She's like, that's where Kelly and dead person skated. Um, and we were like, do you mean Anna? Like, and she was like, yeah, that was funny. That was a great moment. It's in the vlog. Like, that's a great moment. It's so great. But yeah, we, we people watched at the ice rink for a little bit and that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Lots of dudes skating backwards, trying to show off. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cold that day too. Yeah. That was the coldest day we were there. It was frigid. Yeah, and frigid for me is, you know, about 30 degrees what it was. But, yeah, it was pretty cold. But we had fun. The wind then, was bad. The wind was – yeah, the wind was bad. Obviously. Hence Chicago, Windy City. Yeah. But, yeah. But it had been pretty good all weekend. But Monday it was bad. Yeah, we, we had good weather the whole weekend. We were lucky because yeah. it was supposed to snow. It did snow. After the we day, left? No, as I was leaving. Oh. I got delayed in Chicago and almost missed my connecting flight in Detroit because we had to de-ice. Because when I was boarding the plane, like, literally getting on the plane after coming down the, like, I don't know what you call that thing, the hallway thing to, like, after I, like, boarded, mm -hmm. um, you could see it 
through the windows and through the cracks of the when you're getting on the plane like all the snow no it was snowing while I was there oh I didn't know that was it like really coming down or was it just a little um it was coming down pretty hard um not enough yet and I don't know if it was sticking that well enough for us to like impact but it was enough to like impact it where they had to de-ice um but my layover did not allow for that. And it also did not allow for how big Detroit's airport was. Uh-oh. So, which things I – I thought Detroit was a much smaller airport. Turned out it is not. Oh. Um, so, yeah. I had, like, two minutes to spare before boarding time in Detroit. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's crazy. That's so yeah. crazy. Yeah. So, after the bean, we ate at the Nutella Cafe. Yes. If you're so in good. Chicago and you like Nutella, go there. It was so good. It was so, so good. I had, I actually had like real food though. I had a panini because they have real food there too. Uh, But I also got like a hand apple pie to eat later on and I ate it at the airport and it was amazing. Yeah. I had a Nutella crepe with strawberries and it was a great life choice and hot chocolate. So good. So good. And of course the entire time we were there, the four of us talked Chicago. Just, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We talked so much Chicago. We could have recorded an episode just from that conversation alone. Yeah, we could have. (laughs) So once that was over, it was unfortunately time to head back to – well, I had to head out to the airport. I had the first flight. Um, Yeah, I I should have in theory headed out back with you because I – not that I had to sit in much traffic, but my Uber cost a lot to get there because I waited another hour or so or an hour and a half before I had to go to the airport. So mm-hmm. theoretically, I should have done that waiting at the airport, but it's fine. Oh, it's okay. You it's made fine. it home. That's what matters. Uh, barely, but I made it home. Yeah, yeah. So my flight was at like four or five. I think it wasn't too bad. And I mean, our, our day two recap, if you remember, I was on hold with Delta the entire time. <laughs> Delta came through for me like big time this trip. Delta was amazing. So I did get rebooked. My original flight was supposed to connect through Minneapolis. So I'm sitting there. At O'Hare, I'm like going through pictures or whatever. I get a notification that we've been delayed. And I'm like, all right, well, shit. Because at this point, that's going to make my connection way too risky. I can't chance that at all. And your connection was already risky, but like only because of the time. Like it wasn't risky in like the gates, but it was risky in the time. Because it was like, what, 30 minutes? It was like 30 minutes, but Delta was like, don't worry because they're two gates apart. And so I was like, well, that's good. But then we got delayed, and I was like, well, if we get delayed any further, I'm screwed. Right. So the Delta website was pretty cooperative. I actually ended up being able to rebook to get on a flight that did end up going through Atlanta after all, but it was a two-hour layover, so that was much better. The only drawback was I was scheduled to get home at midnight. Yeah, and you had to go to work the next day. And I had to go to work the next day. So I ended up going through with that. I'm pretty sure I, I I slept mostly on the plane from Atlanta home, but I'm pretty sure I woke up at one point and was like, why am I still on a plane? Like, <laughs> why is this yeah. happening? I got home about one in the morning and didn't go to bed until two and work the next day was a blast. Yeah, I got it. home about, well, I got back into D.C. I got back into D.C. early. Um, and so I was home by like 1145. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it was just... a long day, though. But totally worth it. I wouldn't know. Oh, so worth it. It was the the most. It's funny because, like, we had this conversation before that, like, it's really hard to talk about con without people, with people who aren't fans of the show and stuff. Because people ask me and they're like, well, how was your weekend? I want to hear all about Chicago. And I'm like, well, it was great. It was a lot of fun. But, like, I feel like I can't go into that many details because 
Like, they just don't understand. Like, I could obviously gush for hours about Jesse and Patty and LaRoyce and just, like, everything. But, like, to them, it's, like, what are you talking about? So, yeah. like, for me, like, I'm just going to kind of sit here and be, like, this weekend was the most incredible ever. And, like, people know that I had the time of my life. But, like, they don't know that many details just because, like, it's hard to explain when you're not fans of the show. And when you just honestly don't go to a lot of cons, like if that's not something that's familiar to you or that you want to start doing, then like it's just such a whole different world. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's a story. But yeah, it was an incredible weekend. I had the time of my life. I still like look through my pictures and I'm like, oh. Same, same. And guys, all of the audio from all of the meet and greets we attended is now live. All yeah, of it. we worked our butts off this week to get everything out from Con. So we have nothing else like that. We've given you everything that we got. Um, I think I edited like seven, like seven pieces this week. Um, so yeah, I did a lot. Yeah, so, and all, Gina did one, and yeah, yes. so we did a lot, um, but yeah, go listen. There's some great moments in there. Really great. Have you gotten to listen to the Manstead one yet? I know you weren't I, there. I did listen to the Manstead one. Loved it. Super I, good. like, when I edited the episode, when uh, when Nick brings up Tori being vegetarian or something, and somebody's like, aren't you vegan? And Nick goes, <laughs> Tori's not vegan, only in her fashion. I lost it every single time. Yeah, that was a, such a good moment. Yeah. And I liked hearing what they had to say about, like, Manstead. Um, and the moment when Tori calls Jesse, like, that's really funny. Yeah. Because um, then you're like, bye, Jesse. Like, of course I am. I'm not going to pass up that opportunity. Well, I thought it was so funny when you were texting me as you were listening to the Flaming Trio since you didn't get to go. Like, I've listened to that one probably like three times. Like, the moment when they're talking about med, it's just so funny. Oh, my God. I cackled, like, in my car. at so Something Christian had said. And he was like, when's the last time we stabbed Herman? Yeah, he's I... like, sometimes I sit there and think to myself, when's the last time we stabbed Herman? I was like, I'm dead. <laughs> Christian, I'm done. Like, yeah. Oh, so funny. So, so yeah, yeah all the meet and greets listened, are out. Yeah. They're yeah, all available. And our interviews with Roland and Randy and Tony um, that weren't part of meet and greets, they're all out. Um, obviously, our recaps and – our vlog is out on our Twitter. We did so, there's so much. We did so much content this week. I'm so down. much content. And there's also our photo album is up on our Facebook page as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a combination of photos that I took and photos that Brianna took. They're all in one album on our Facebook page. Go check those out. But yeah, all of our all of our content is out. And it was amazing. Yeah, we had, again, we had the most incredible time. We probably won't. I already referenced things about Con in tonight's episode, so you're not going to hear us shut up about it for a very long time. Yeah, if you guys want to make a drinking game out of it, every time we start a conversation with, like, at Con, go for it. (laughs) Yeah, until next year's Con, so. Yeah, true, true. So, which, I mean, it's looking positive. It's looking like there's going to be a next year. I mean, they already said, like, they're trying to, um, Rainio was saying on Facebook that she was trying to, she's already in contact with Navy Fear about dates, so. I think... It's looking pretty good. So, yeah. Yes. So excited. So excited. So, guys, if you went to con and you had a blast, please communicate that to OCE. Please show them your appreciation. Yeah. There's an email that they're using for feedback. I think it's ocefeedback at gmail.com. 
Um, I can double check that and tweet about it. But yeah, if you had a great time, if you didn't have a great time, send them feedback so that they know and can work on it and figure out how to improve. Um, I know they've already been kind of talking about in the Facebook group about um, like how they're going to change Lotties. Um, you know, they're going to make it less guests, a little bit more expensive, but less guests. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So, so much fun. Best weekend yeah. ever. It really was. And it was cool to get home from the con on a Monday and then watch Met on Tuesday and see Nick and Tori knowing you had just hugged them like two days before. Right. And to see the crossover. Like, it's, I think it's so cool that we came back and we had a crossover episode and like the big crossover, not just like a slightly big crossover, but like a huge crossover. Um, and yeah, and to see all of them and like see the things that they talked about about the cross. It was just, yeah, it's so cool. It was so great. It was just so, so great. Yeah. Oh, my God. Best. And so – and I know we were texting last night, last night being Saturday night, and, you know, I was doing straight-up Texas things. You were chilling at home, doing whatever. And both of us were like, I miss Chicago. Yeah. Like, that night we were at Lottie's a week from the Saturday night, and I was like, that makes me sad. Yeah. Chicago's the best. So much fun. Yeah. It really is. I want to go back. Indeed. Indeed. So. We should move on, though. We should move on because we're only halfway through our agenda and we're almost at the hour mark. So are we really? Holy crap. Yeah, just about. So (laughs) the first thing we want to touch on before we talk about the crossover is we want to talk about this week's Chicago Med. Um, Season three episode. eh? Um, Uh, Episode. uh, Hold on. I have it pulled up. Episode 11. 11. Okay, great. So. Fole adieu. Fully adieu. That's right. That's what it was called. Because I remember because you were like, what's the French thing? It's so weird. Fully adieu. So where do we start with this? Um, My first thought, I loved the Nerf gun fight between April and Choi. That was Yeah, great. it was really interesting to see. I'm still not shipping it. But like it was really interesting to see um, them like let loose and especially April. Because I feel like April doesn't have a lot of fun in her life. That's true. That's a so, good point. So to see them like. Although, did they really have to be in their, like, undergarments? They had sexy time, probably. I know, but, like, still. I just want to – I guess there is no – I'd just be curious to see, like, how does one go from sexy time to, hey, let's have a nerf fight. But, like, okay. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Um, what surprised me, though – okay, so Dr. Troy probably wants to move because he's got some crazy-ass neighbors. <laughs> but the thing that I noticed, because I'm a nut or whatever – um. So the neighbor comes knocking on Choi's door and it's like somebody got stabbed. April and Choi got dressed in like record speed. Yeah. But they like, can't just go into the guy in his boxers. Like Choi can't just like pull a like slide down the hall move. Um, a la <laughs> like Tom Cruise. No, yeah. not Footloose. What's the movie? Uh, Risky Business. Yeah, and Risky Business. Like, yeah, a la Tom Cruise and Risky Business. And like, <laughs> yeah, so he needed to get dressed. No, so. clearly, clearly. But I was kind of amused. I was like, ha, 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 that's funny. They got dressed fast. Um, <laughs> but I think Choi needs to move. He's got some mentally unsound neighbors. They were a little cray-cray. Yeah, um, his neighbors. But granted, it wasn't their fault. But yeah. No, and but here's the deal with that. That whole storyline, too, with like the shared delusion and everything – I couldn't keep up with it. So, like, probably after the halfway point, I kind of lost it. And I was like, eh. Like, just let Dr. Yeah, Charles it definitely was it. a storyline you had to pay attention to. 
Yeah. There was a lot of details for that. Yeah, there was a lot of other stuff happening, too, that was just more, like, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Natalie went on Natalie. That was pretty great. Um, When she found out that her patient's cousin wasn't vaccinated, I feel like everybody in the fandom was like, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. (laughs) Yep. We're like, oh, Natalie's freaking HIPAA laws all again. Yeah, yeah. Being on that. She went postal on that guy. Yeah, she did. Like, probably the most we've seen from her since or forever it's but yeah we haven't seen her go that intense in a while but the part that cracked me up that i absolutely lost it at so she runs or not runs she like storms into the waiting room and she's like can i talk to you and you see will at the vending machine getting like chips or whatever the hell he's doing and he turns around and i was like all right at least will is here to be like calm yourself let's go no she starts yelling at this guy and will's like i'm hangry i don't care she can do what she wants i'm getting my damn chips yeah yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Something I would love to ask Tori um, about is, like, and you know, we didn't have any Tori questions, and now I have, like, a Tori question. Um, just, like, Natalie's evolution as a doctor this season, because, like, we've seen her, like we said, pick up the intensity when it comes to being, like, a patient advocate, if that's what you want to call it, um, and, like, really sticking up for the patient sides and, you know, not really caring what rules she breaks, and I'm just kind of curious on what Tori's thoughts on it are are on it that's true that's a good point yeah that's a good point um yeah and somebody mentioned in the manstead meet and greet too they were like i love how your like your characters go above and beyond and don't really care if they have to break rules or anything and i was sitting there like really dude okay like it's like yes but technically if this was a real hospital they would be long out of there before long gone by now yeah yeah oh my god but it was so great she went postal and then she was like get your son out of here and i was like they she can't do that i don't think but will was like the proudest boyfriend and it was just so funny yeah no she technically can't do that because she broke hippo laws just by yelling at the guy yeah because you can't talk about if that person's not on their hippo sheet and that's not their parents then you can't talk about that patient's condition with them Dr. Bryna. Well, that's just what happens when I worked in a doctor's office and I had to check constantly check HIPAA sheets because you can't just have someone call and be like, even though they're their daughter, if they're not on a HIPAA sheet, you can't talk to them about it. It doesn't matter that that's their daughter. I feel like Natalie is not happy unless she's breaking some sort of rule or law. Yeah, probably. I don't know. It was still a pretty funny scene. I wonder if Natalie's ever been arrested. Like, was Natalie arrested as a teen? Was she a rebellious teenager? Oh, man. I could see that. (laughs) I could totally see that. I'm surprised she hasn't been arrested on the show. I mean, Maggie has, but... Oh, yeah, Maggie was. Yeah. That's funny. So, well, speaking of Maggie, too, there was also a funny, like, Natalie and Maggie scene when uh, Natalie went up to Maggie and was like, she pretty much invited Maggie to Barry's court appearance like it was brunch. (laughs) <laughs> like she was like hey barry has a court appearance today want to go i was like what you can't just pull the barry card well and i understand i think this was such an interesting dynamic that they didn't explore enough in this episode was just this whole idea that like granted they had a bunch of other storylines going on but like you know M- M- 
Maggie's kind of pissed at Natalie a little bit for even insinuating that like she would should go and she should want to go but Natalie's like well Barry did save my life you know and like well granted I am your best friend and you know I do obviously support you like I can't also ignore that he what he did for me yeah I feel like his lie in this instance probably preempts the whole saving Natalie's life I feel like the lie is like that overshadows everything Right. And I feel like, especially, like, granted, yes, he did push her against a car, but it's not like Natalie took a bullet and he made sure she stayed alive until she got to the hospital. Like, if that was the case, then I'd say Barry trumps Maggie in this instance. But all he did was push her down, which, granted, is saving her life, but, like, still. Still. And then it got awkward because then Barry came in at the end and then we kind of got explanation for his whole lie, but it didn't make anything better. Right. And it's still, I mean, yeah, there needed to be more. I wish that that's what they had opened the episode with. Like, I wish that had been like the A or B storyline and instead it was like the D or E storyline. It was weird because I know Barry dropped by the hospital and I was like, what the hell are you even doing there? But then he explained that like when he was younger, he had a couple convictions for aggravated battery. I was like, bro, you're digging yourself in an even deeper hole. Like just walk away. Just stop. Aggravated battery does not make it okay. Right. Like I need them to have a conversation about like a real conversation. Like I really wish, especially because they did like, I mean, you know, I was praising the med writers for how they handled the shock because that was such a good twist that I never saw coming and then it got pushed to like the D storyline this week and I was like what the heck like yeah. so but see, I was after that a fan scene, of the way it wrapped up this week yeah after that scene I was like all right now we need to decide what we're doing with Maggie and Barry because I thought they were just gonna be like that's the end of that Barry's crazy moving on so now I'm like well that they need to kind of decide what's going on and like what they're gonna do with him because I mean I feel like there's no redeeming him after that. Yeah. But, like, at the same time, they're so hellbent. And what kind of uh, Marlene was telling me, you know, they're going to show more of Maggie's personal life. And granted, we've seen it. But, like, Maggie has to get past Barry in order, whether she moves on with Barry or somebody else. Like, she's got to have a conversation with Barry. And so until that happens, like, I don't know. We're not going to see that much more of Maggie. But, like. I, they can't not skip over the Barry stuff. True. Like, she's clearly not figured everything out yet. No. So. I mean, if I were her, I, well, I wouldn't have taken him back even before the lie, but I definitely wouldn't take him back now. Is that How is that even a question? Right. But the, he, she still has to have a conversation with him, whether she takes yeah. him back or not. It's good, solid GTFO, I think, would be a productive conversation for them to have. Yeah, I just think until, you know, she knows a little bit more, like, she's not going to, yeah, it's not going to happen. Believe it or not, though, this Barry stuff was not the most controversial stuff that happened this week. Um, Nope. We had Sarah's dad, who we finally met. What did you think of that? I thought that was weird. Like, yeah, and not the way... Well, kind of, I guess, the way he's brought in. Like, I don't know what I thought when I we read that, you know, like, Sarah's dad's going to be a patient and not tell Sarah, whatever, the whole thing. But, like, the illness thing, that disease, whatever you want to call what he has, 
But, like, he's clearly going to be using Sarah just to, like, help it, the end of his life be more comfortable. Like, it's just weird. It is weird. And it's it's putting Dr. Charles in a really odd place. Yes. Yeah. I, Which is I, not I, something yeah, we're used to with Dr. Charles. Well, we're used to seeing him do weird shit, but... Not weird shit, but, like, how he handled Sarah earlier in the season. No, but we're not used to seeing him, like, I guess I thought that part was interesting, like, having to see how Dr. Charles would handle not being able to talk about what he was told because of, you know, doctor-patient confidentiality, but also because of his relationship with Sarah, because she is, like, a second daughter to him, like, seeing how that goes. Um, But I just thought the whole way they brought her dad in was a little weird. It was weird, and I don't know about you, but even though we knew he was coming in, totally fell for it at the beginning when we met him as a patient. I was like, well, this guy seems well put together. I wonder what his deal is. And then he was like, oh, I'm Sarah Reese's father. I was like, oh, damn it, Gina. You knew he was coming in. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, we know he's going to be in next week's episode, or not next week because there is no episode um, this coming Tuesday, but the week after that, um, we know he's in the next episode of Med, so... It seems like he's going to try and use her. So it's going to be interesting how. Yeah, he's definitely going to use her for sure. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Um, The last bit that we have to talk about. We don't want to, but we have to. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I that ending, though. I don't even want to say it. (laughs) I I don't either. Just it's let's just put it this way. So unfortunately, I have to say it. So, Brian, if you want earmuffs, that's okay. I understand. Freaking Connor and Ava started making out. Ugh. Nobody wanted yeah. this. Like, N- no. Nobody um, wanted this. After it happened, our mentions filled up, and it was just repeatedly people being like, no, oh my god, I didn't want this. What are they doing? Yeah, and it's funny. I did so well, because I couldn't watch, so I was working that Tuesday night, so I didn't watch Med Live. So, But somehow, I was able to not spoil myself about what happened like so I knew people were flipping out about the ending but I didn't know what happened until like I watched it which I was very glad about um because I did not need to get that spoiled for me um because I was just kind of curious to see what how it felt in that moment I'm not happy no and there was no build-up to it but I can't say at the same time I didn't see it coming yeah like They've been, especially, like, the last, like, week or two, last episode or two, like, they've been building up that, like, they were going to have something, so. I just hate that it's like, oh, they're a man and a woman working in close quarters, so obviously they have to bang. Well, and it's funny, because I just saw, because since I didn't watch it live, like, I just saw, like, yesterday, I just saw the med promo and how it's, like, mm-hmm. kind of all based around them. So I'm curious to see how much that plays a part in next week's. Or in the next episode of Mad. Not next week, but the next episode of Mad. Like, okay. I'm trying to think of platonic male-female ships from other shows just so that I can remind myself that, you know, men and women can be friends even on TV. Because, like, that's driving me crazy. I didn't want them to get together just because, A, I hated Ava, and B, I just wanted to know that they could be professional colleagues well, without taking it there. going off our wintry hell, you've got Lucas and um, Haley. Yeah, Lucas and Haley are, like, the ultimate platonic shit. But aside from them, uh, I mean, there's a lot on Grey's. Yeah, there's a lot on Grey's. What? Outside of Grey's and One Tree Hill, platonic, male-female 
Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> and without them being gay. Yeah. Like, without one of the characters being gay. Yes. I mean, well, I guess do you, you could count, say... Do you count Dawson and Severide? Like, because we hmm. don't see a whole lot of them, but, like, do they count? Like, would you count that? Maybe I need to refine the criteria a little bit. Because Dawson and Severide's a given because Dawson's married to Casey. But, like, we have always said... Oh, but I guess we've also always said that they probably had. No, I don't know. Yeah, that, don't that's know. my that's that's the theory I throw out there when I'm really pissed off at Severide is that I'm like Dawson and Severide totally hooked up before the show began. Yeah, but then I also think that I don't know. I'm trying to think. Yeah, because even the one like even everything I'm thinking about, I'm like, oh well, of course they are, but like one of them's like you know gay or whatever, so like there would not be that attraction there no matter what. I guess you could say Rachel and Lewis on Suits. I've never seen Suits, so. Oh, goodness. I don't know. I just, that's, I need to expand on that and think about that. Just because I just hate that Ava and Connor, it was like, they, since they were colleagues, they obviously had to go there. Tweeting our friends Tamar and Christine right now. Yeah. That's just, and that's why I bring it up is just because I'm annoyed that, I'm annoyed that they were like, oh, a male and a female are in the same room together and they work together, so they should probably have sex. Yeah, that's interesting. I just didn't, I I wasn't a fan of that. And I'm really tired of the whole trope of like, so-and-so is being mean to you. It means they actually like you. Stop saying that's okay. Stop perpetuating that notion. Yeah. And yeah, I think it'd also be different if they maybe hadn't taken that approach to it either. Like, if they had come at it from a different angle and then, like, had them hook up or make out or whatever they're going to, however far they're going to take it, then fine. Like, maybe I would have been slightly different about it. I mean, I still probably would have been upset that, like, they had to go there. But, like, they came at it from the just such the stereotypical way of, like, up, okay, first off, they're antagonists. Then they're, you know, hooking up. And then they maybe become a relationship slash friends even at one point. But they literally went from, like, the antagonist to lovers trope. Yeah. Yeah, with, like, no transition. It was just, like, a flip of a switch. Yeah. I mean, there was, like, maybe one episode. But, yeah, it was still a pretty fast switch. Like, if they had done – if they had spent all of season three being, like, okay, well, first they're antagonists, and then they start to see each other's way – and then they start to become more friendly. Not friends, but friendly. And then in the season three finale had them kiss. I still probably would have been a little angry just because, like, again, why can't they work together and not feel the need to be attracted to each other? But, like, I would have been better about it because at least it took, like, at least it saw, like, a, it started out as antagonist. Then it went to, you know, there was, like, a little bit more of a, like, path. Yeah. They did start to, like, ease up on each other, but... Still, it just, there was no, I mean, Ava invited him out for drinks, and I think that was, like, the only flirtation we saw. Otherwise, she was just, like, giving him these really creepy stares the entire episode. Yeah. But, I don't know. We'll see. I'm not really, yeah, that's, like, you don't ship April and Troy, I don't ship Connor and Ava. I, am I mean, not I don't ship chip. Connor and Ava either. Not on board and that ship. And I just ship. don't, especially because, like, I don't see them being, 
like in any sense, I don't see them becoming long term, like ever. Yeah. If they become long term, it's gonna be like all of other Con, all of Connor's other relationships, which is disappointing because he's getting a severide, and like I just want Con, like I just like I want for severide, I want Connor to be in like a real like long term committed relationship. Yeah. That's not gonna leave him. No. All of Robin. So, most people were, like, totally against Connor and Ava saying, no, oh, my God, I can't believe that. But we also got a hot take here. Um, Going back to Maggie and Barry, one of our listeners, Jessica, who we love very much, Jessica tweeted a hot take on Tuesday night. And she said, I'm just going to put this out into the universe. Atwater and Maggie could definitely be a thing. Bryna, thoughts? I'm not opposed to this. Me neither. I just, especially after Con, like, it's clear everybody wants to give Atwater some love. Like, writers make this happen. I could see it. And if it takes, even if it's not, you know, because obviously with crossover relationships, like, it's so hard to, like, make them actually work. But if it meant Atwater getting love from somewhere, and, like, even though his ship wouldn't be, like, a main focus, I'd totally be okay with that. I could totally see Atwater being into a woman who's older than him. Yes. And what, you know, if we if we look back on the Bretonio meet and greet when Kara was talking about how they like Brett and Antonio balance each other really well and how like Brett is kind of like she brings that light to Antonio's life. I feel like Atwater would do that for Maggie and make things fun yeah. for her and like liven it up. We should treat LaRoyce and Marlin about that. Yeah. See what they say. Jessica might be on to something. Yeah, Jessica. A I'm, a, I'm a fan of this hot take. Yeah. Very good hot take. We like. Um, yeah, what do you guys think? Let us know. We're curious to hear that because, yeah. And if you haven't seen our vlog yet, please watch it just so you can hear LaRoyce tell the joke that he was going to tell in that one episode. Oh, my God. It's, it's so, so funny. funny. And to hear Jesse say that he doesn't remember that <laughs> That's, like, my favorite part. Um, yeah. So right. So, but, yeah, that's this week's med. Shit's going to get crazy after this. I don't even know. But we did see an article today that let us know that I think, what, 20 episodes is what we're going to get for Med? Yeah, their season finale is 20, episode 20, which makes sense yeah. because they started in so in late November. So. so we're just over halfway through on Med. Yeah. Crazy. 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 So, but yeah, we're, we only ahead. have like, like six episodes left to PD. Like, it's kind of crazy to think of, you know, like, in terms of PD, like, we barely have any of it left. But, like, Med, we still have basically half a season. I don't even want to think about that, that there's only six episodes of PD left. I mean, I don't, I'm not, but, like, yeah, there's not that much of PD left. That is the saddest thing I've ever heard. I know. That's really sad. Sad. Really sad. It's really sad. Okay, so, yeah, that's Med. (laughs) Now it's time to jump into the crossover. Oh, Finally. here we go. Here we go. I think this was one of their best crossovers ever. I think it was a really strong crossover in a lot of ways. And are we doing like general crossover thoughts now or should we save this for the end? Whatever you want. Um, Yeah, I think it was a really strong crossover. I mean, I have a lot of opinions about the fact that it was PD's 100th episode and it was basically nothing um, in terms of that way. Like in terms of like making it a memorable episode and really celebrating the past 99 episodes I thought they did a really shitty job in that aspect um but I also just thought it was a really interesting I like that it was a lot more balanced and integrated 
Um, I thought it also meant that because you know crossover episodes tend to be like very isolated from the rest of the storylines. You could watch like both of the crossover episodes and never have seen an episode of any of the shows. But I thought this time they did a really good job of, like, you know, like, with the Stellaride, Zach stuff. Like, you really got to see them kind of continue what had happened last week um, and kind of show where they're going to go next week. So I thought in that case it really worked. Um, But I did think that it felt very much like PD with a little bit of fire sprinkled in. Like, I didn't feel like it was as much of a balanced crossover with PD – and fire as much of like this is mainly a PD episode like a two hour long PD episode and like there's a little bit of fire like 25% fire sprinkled in yeah yeah I agree with that I so like I, I thought did... in that sense it wasn't balanced but I thought the way that they integrated characters was balanced if that makes sense yeah very much so I I like that it was like an equal an equal amount of you know there were a lot of fire characters on PD and vice versa I did like that I liked how subtle the handoff was because usually it's like PD issue, PD issue, or PD issue, hey, look, it's a giant fire. And it's like, here, fire, have the case. Dunk. Right. But here it was just super quick. It was like, hey, we have this idea. Let's run with it. And that was the handoff. Right. But even before then, like from the basically the opening scene, like you saw fire characters. And even until the end of the fire episode, you saw PD characters. So I like that part of it. I just thought it was definitely so much more of a PD case. That, yes. like, it was, like, it felt like I was watching just a very extended PD episode with, like, some random fire scenes, like, uh, some cel- random Stellaride scenes here and there. But, yeah. again, I did like the fact that they integrated the Stellaride stuff and that it made it, like, you can't just watch the crossover without having seen what happened last week on fire. And, like, then if you want to see it, how it continues to play out, you've got to kind of watch next week's or the big two-hour stuff. So, I thought, I like that part of it. Yeah, it was it was. But crazy, it still pissed so. me off that they didn't get a chance to celebrate PD. Like that really pissed me off. And I think maybe more pissed off watching it and like seeing how it happened and being like, bullshit. Yeah, and that's something we got from a lot of people and a lot of tweets just saying, why couldn't PD just have their own hundredth celebration? And I, I agree with you. I think it should have been some recognition of like, hey, this is our hundredth episode. Right, and I think it's just, I think it'd be different if Fire didn't have that same celebration. Like, if Fire had just continued, like, it was a normal Fire episode and didn't try to do something special for it, then I wouldn't have cared. But Fire did it, so why can't PD do it? Right, and I'm trying to see, I'm trying to look up the uh, reactions that we had here. Yeah, because I listed a bunch of them. I'll just scoot them up to now. So, um... You know, we got one response from Jessica. She said, I love that most of PD's characters got to cross over this time. I don't think that's ever happened. I just wish PD got to have their own episode to celebrate making 100 episodes. The crossover could have easily happened any other week. Yep. I agree. Agree. And I was reading something, um, one of those interviews that um, Rick and Derek did kind of to promote the crossover. And they were saying that, like, you know, it's kind of funny. Like, obviously, they didn't plan for PD's 100th episode to be a crossover. It was just kind of the way it happened. But then that kind of made me more pissed off because it was like, okay, well, if this is kind of the way it happened and, like, you kind of, like, when you saw the kind of the options for the crossover, you picked this week. Well, then it's like, yeah, like, why couldn't have you done it next week or last week or whatever? Like, why can't you just give PD their episode that they deserve? Yeah, exactly, exactly. That was just... Yeah, that was, I mean, I just wish they had recognized it. Even if they wanted to throw in something subtle, like, that would have been fine. Like, some sort of nod of, like, hey, this is our hundredth, it's kind of a big deal. Right. Like, 
Yeah, like I was saying earlier, the only thing they really did as, like, a nod to fans was Halstead on a motorcycle. And that technically happened in Fire's episode, not even the 100th episode. Right. Right, so. right. So, you know, but it was still great. Um, I will say I preferred the PD half to the Fire half, but that's just me. Yeah, I did prefer the PD half to the Fire half. Just me. Um. Yeah, just because think. when we got to the fire half, uh, you know, they had the, the things about Brent and Cruz and Stellar Ride and everything like that. But I was so enthralled in the story that I was like, all right, I don't have time for this. Like, let's go. Right. And I think it's interesting because I definitely felt the same way. But at the same time, I liked that part of it because, like like I said, I don't usually like – I mean, I like crossovers, but usually it's, like, so isolated. So I like that this wasn't so isolated. But then again, those were the parts of the story I didn't like the, the most. So right. it's kind right. of a toss-up on what I preferred. Right. So, so we start the crossover. Platt is on TV. It's like a three-minute interview on public access, but 51 and the 21st are both having viewing parties. It's adorable. It's precious. Um, Mouch makes a cinnamon, cinnamon roll casserole. Pretty great. Right. Where was our invite? I mean, I would have been there. Yeah. Would you have gone to PD's viewing party or Fires? Oh, shit. That's a tough one. I probably would have gone to PD's. Yeah, PD's looks more casual. And Mouch wasn't going to be there, like, yelling in our ears about how we had to live tweet the whole time. Although we probably would have live tweeted anyway. That's true. But, see, I, that's what I'm saying. If both of us were at fires, Mouch would have been like, hey, can you guys live tweet? We would have been like, we just want to watch. Like, <laughs> Yeah. That's funny. But, yeah, uh, they had a viewing party. And then, you know, PD had a viewing party. And this was just so funny. And we finally got to see 20, like, the, we finally got to see Intelligence, like, put their hair down a little bit. And so, you know, they're grabbing snacks. Burgess is like, hey, it's about to happen. Adam, get in here. And all I'm thinking is don't eat the cheese puffs. Yeah, I couldn't see those and not think about Patty telling us that they smelled like nail polish remover. This, that happened at Lottie's, right, that he told us about yeah, that? Yeah, that was at Lottie's. So funny. Yeah. Don't also, where was Voight puffs. during this viewing party? Because, like, Probably he either. shows up at the, like, scene, but he wasn't at the viewing party. True. He was probably in his office. You know he doesn't do shit like that. He and Al were probably in the office, like, oh, talking yeah. about shit. Al wasn't there either. Al's never there. But he was there this whole crossover. Sort of. No, he did the whole thing where he goes and talks to the CI and whatever. Like, this is the most oh, yeah. we've seen from him in a long time. It's the second most, um, it's the second highest amount of, like, anything he's had since that episode of Med this season. Yeah. So bad. Uh, but, yeah, the, that was funny with the cheese puffs. Somebody posted on Instagram today and was like, you can tell a lot about people by their snacks. And so, like, Burgess had red vines, Adam had the cheese puffs, and then, like, Upwater was eating popcorn, and, like, Halstead was eating chips. It was cute. Just kind of dissecting that. Yeah. That was funny. So while this is going on, Antonio and Eva are fighting. Great. Yep. Uh, and so I know when Adam walked in and he's like, what's up, Eva? And Eva's like, my father's a fascist. And Adam's <laughs> like, I don't know what to do with that. That was great. <laughs> he's like, okay, I don't know what to do with that. I'm going to walk away now. So great. So great. It's so good. Um, but then let's talk about this explosion. Holy shit. Yeah. Crazy. That was a, Yeah. Why does everything have to explode in a crossover? Good point. Have we gone through a crossover without something exploding? Let's think about this. What happened in last year's crossover besides Lexi dying? Was there an explosion? Well, I mean, we can probably count that fire as like an explosion. 
Probably. So, no, we haven't had a crossover that hasn't involved an explosion. The one with Gish had an explosion. What about the one with Yates? That was SVU, though. That wasn't a fire a fire PD crossover. Yeah. What was the one that happened in season, in Med's first season? <laughs> or was there one in Med's first season? But there was definitely a fire PD one. So, like, fire season four, PD season three. Are you talking about the one with the doctor that treated Voight's wife? Was that season three? Was that the big crossover? Was that the... I oh, it was. don't remember. It was. It was. It was. It was. Because it starts on fire. No. It starts on med, goes to fire, and ends on PD. Something like that. Something like that? But there was no explosion. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm I need to my crossover history. I'm just really happy it wasn't Med that blew up this time. Oh, well. That audio from that meet and greet is so good. That's so great. That's, That's so good. Because really, Med is the most unsafe hospital in the world. It really is, though. It really is, though. Um, yeah, so the explosion, like, and it was such a it's such a quick moment, but they did such a good job of building that tension. Even from, like, the little timer that you hear, that was enough to be like, uh-oh. Yeah, and I think um, shouts to Amy Morton because that just like the look on her face when Hall says like she looks so like uncomfortable right now, and then Birch is like, "This is Christmas." Like you can <laughs> just see it on her face that like she's so uncomfortable. But then it switches from like being uncomfortable to being like like her police, you know, officer like mind like taking on being like, "Okay, wait, something's about to go down." Like you can just see it on her face, and I thought that was a really good switch. Good yeah, and even the flags even went up for Jay, too. All he heard was the timer, and he was like, what is that? So well, that he was... like, yeah, he automatically stands up, and he's, like, the first one to stand up, and then everyone starts standing up, and it's just, like, dun-dun-dun. Yeah, just, that was crazy. And, I mean, the whole scene of just, like, the fire and, like, plat in the middle of the chaos was just, it was insane. It was crazy. So, Fire and PD, they both arrive on the scene. Voight is instructing an officer to set up a cordon. While this is happening in the background, though, Mouch is running around from Ambo to Ambo, calling out for Trudy. Yeah, oh my god. This was so heartbreaking. My heart. They are so married. So adorable. Yeah. But inside, while this is going on, you know, Atwater's, like, briefing Voight, and he's like, we still haven't heard from Platt. And Voight's like, well, shit. But we go inside, and... Trudy is going like full American Ninja Warrior. She's like jumping over flames and like dodging falling debris and like grabbing the victims. And she's just like such a badass. Yeah. She's like, let's go. Let's do this. Yeah. I wonder what that whole sequence was like for her to film because she's not on fire. So she's probably not used to that shit. Oh, yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Insane. And so, yeah, so she grabs, like, one of the reporters is dead. She grabs the other reporter, and she, like, drags her into this, like, nearby break room. But she's, like, going through this whole scene, and it's, like, that scene with Wonder Woman when she's, like, deflecting all the stuff with her shield and just running on. It was just, it was a pretty badass moment for Platt and Amy Morton. Just, yeah. Yeah, for sure. She's such a closet badass. I wish they would showcase that more instead of being like, she's a desk sergeant, but oh yeah, she's sometimes a badass. Like, Yeah, and I know that obviously she had that whole, she got shot in her butt. 
Is that what she got? Why she yeah, can't? Like that. Yeah. Um. So like obviously that, but like there's got to be some times where she could do something like that's not behind a desk. I want to know more about that whole story because I remember there's a story that Antonio had apparently saved her life like way back in the day. Yeah, I just watched that episode yesterday. I want to know more about that. Yeah, because that's what um. That's what Platt tells Ava and Diego when Antonio gets shot by Pulpo in, like, the end of season one. Oh, I don't remember that. Does she, what does she say? I mean, that's what she basically tells him. She's trying to comfort Ava and Diego because they're scared and worried about their dad. But, you know, she uses that as a way to be like, you know, your father saved me one time. Like, he pulled through that, you know, he's going to pull through now. Like, he's a fighter or whatever. Um, Aww. But, yeah. So... I just watched Taking that episode yesterday because I wanted – I started rewatching some PD season one because I really wanted to see the um, the Atwater uh, – at least call the Ambulance Peterson line. And so I started rewatching some season P- or season one PD yesterday. You got to let me know what episode that is so I can go back and refresh my yeah, memory. Yeah, yeah. I'll, it's episode eight, I think. Okay. I'll have to double check. But yeah. Okay. I'll but and then I was just like, oh, point. and then I was in my all in my season one feels of PD. And I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> why did I do this to myself? Such babies. Yeah. Oh my god. So anyway. she gets into this. Yeah, Trudy, Trudy gets into this break room and she tries to call Mouch. And I mean, there's like flames and chaos happening around her. But of course, in my mind, I'm like, oh, she's got him in her phone as Mouch. And look at their background photo. Like, oh it was my just god. Super, I know. I bet you Gabby took that picture behind the bar. Oh, yeah, probably. Love it. Oh, so sweet. Oh, goodness. Yeah, so the call fails and, you know, Platt's just like, hang on, hang on, we're almost in this. And we're sitting there and all of a sudden we hear somebody yell fire department call out. I have never been so happy to hear Severide in my life. For real. Like, oh. And I thought it was really cool about that scene was that we finally got to see it from the receiving end because we always see it when they're calling it out but we got to see like the the receiving end of it which was cool right and I think that's you know that wasn't something I thought of but I thought that's a really good point and I think that's a big part of why I think this crossover just worked so well yeah was they did a lot of different things that they usually don't do in crossovers right right like like give us a Platt and Severide moment yeah never thought I needed that but I definitely needed that it was pretty badass. Yeah, I mean, it was a quick second, and Severide was like, hey, you're sure you're okay? Okay, I'm going to take you to cruise. But still, it was like, fuck yeah. Like, it was one of those never-before-seen pairings, because I know Derek had said leading into the crossover, we were going to see a lot of pairings we'd never seen before. And so even if it was brief, yeah. it was awesome, because it reminded us that they're all family. Yeah. I think that's really what this entire crossover was reminding me. Cause like you said, there were so many different pairings and people working together and whatever that like, it just, yeah, that's what reminded me. It was like, wow, like this is a universe. Like this is something unique and special. And like, it just made me really happy. <laughs> yeah. Same, 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 same. Uh, yeah. So once Platt gets the victim out, Antonio rides with 61 to med, just casually puts Brett and Antonio in the back of an Ambo. No big deal. Yeah. Um, so the victim's, like, really adamant that she talk, and Antonio and Brett are like, please don't, but she does anyway, and she says that somebody had delivered a package to her office, and, you know, she's giving as many details as she can, and then she codes, and that's it. 
So Antonia returns to intelligence covered in her blood. And this is where they try to drive home this subplot about Antonio and social media. See, and this is one thing where I thought the subplot didn't work as well. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Yeah, I, I agree, I agree. Like, I think it works a lot better in Fire. Like, as much as I thought the cruise stuff was annoying, I thought it was necessary to move that part of the story forward. And then, obviously, I like the Stellaride stuff. And, like, you know, I was okay with the subplots over in Fire. But I was not okay with it in PD. I get what they were going for. And I feel like if there weren't so many other things happening, it really would have been awesome. But there, and it was well executed. If you really pay attention to it, it's very well executed. But it just got overshadowed by so many other things. Yeah. It really, yeah. And I think you made it, you brought it in an interesting point just like in the fact that like they tie in with the tip line and how that ends up spreading over the social media part which I didn't find that connection before now and I think that's really interesting um and I hadn't like I said I hadn't even thought about that suggestion of the tip line being part of the subplot but I think you know obviously Antonio the whole point of it is Antonio starts to see that like there isn't one way to use social media and that you know there are so many different nuances to like the world of social media like you know you realize that like you can do the exact same thing you know whether it's like put out a tip line um in a bunch of different situations and it's not always gonna end with the same results and I think that was kind of the point and so like you have to really pay attention on social media and like whatever and obviously they use that with Ava but like I don't know. It just didn't work for me. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Because basically the whole deal with the tip line is that they were trying to identify somebody who had been spotted at the news station. And Jay was kind of presenting the other side of the argument. And Tony was like, let's set up this tip line. Jay was like, well, wait, there's not, we don't know enough. So you could destroy this guy if you put that information out there. Yeah, and I put this on later on in the outline about how um, I thought that part did work, though. I thought every time... Antonio and Jay had a conversation again I think it's something they've done so well in season five like presenting both sides to an argument so I thought that part was really well done I just did again I didn't see the point of the social media subplot in that part of the episode it was yeah it was it was it was iffy but I mean towards the end I started to see it but I thought it was kind of interesting and And I I thought it it was no go go ahead ahead. finish your thought no I was just gonna say I mean it's 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 really not like chilling but it was just kind of like ooh when uh when Jay was like, well, that could be a disaster if we put that information out there. And Antonio just looks at himself. He's like, I've still got Sherry's blood all over me. I think it would have been more powerful if that had been a subplot of a different episode, like a single, like a standalone episode. Um, And I think if they were going to bring Ava in, I would have liked something else. Like I would have liked it to be about something else. And like, maybe that could have been like a more way they used to celebrate the hundredth episode or something like, like I just thought that that wasn't necessary for this episode. Yeah. I see what they were going for, but I just, it got overshadowed. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, is I feel like that could have been, like, its own standalone episode, and it would have been a lot more powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, Burgess finds the sign-in, sign-out sheet from the news station, and the only delivery that day was made by an Eric Mitchell. So, Upstead and the Burzicks, they go investigate. Did you just call them the Burzicks? Yeah, I always call them by plurals. I'm like the Burzicks, the Mansteads, the Dossies. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Burzick. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Continue. Yeah. So, Upstead and the Burzicks, they go investigate. Doesn't that sound like a band name? Like a, like a, a terrible band name? Upstead and the Burzicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. 
So they go investigate. Upton tries to distract him. Mitchell opens his mailbox and it blows up too. Yep. Now by this point we're only twelve minutes in, so I was like, hold on, is that this is this the episode like every five minutes something blows up? Uh it's a crossover, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> it was it was some crazy ass shit. So I'm really surprised that we haven't seen a parallel gift set yet of, you know, mirroring the times that Jay has checked on his partner after an explosion. I yeah. was surprised we haven't seen that yet. Yeah, Christina, you need to get on that. If you're out there, Christina, yes, we need that gift. The world needs that gift set. Um, did you see the behind the scenes video that Luch posted this week of that scene when the like the yes, quote unquote bomb I goes off? I did see that. I did see that. That was good. And then yeah, he's like making a noise that like obviously is supposed to resemble the bomb, like the bomb blow or the mailbox blowing up. Um, yeah, but he just yells "boom!" <laughs> like yeah, that was funny. That was funny. Uh, yeah, so. Upton topples over, whatever. Um, and then, of course, Burgess and Ruzik are there as well. And Ruzik and that hand, he kills me every single time. Even though he's just trying to, like, protect her, it's totally subconscious. He always puts one hand out just, like, in front of her. And it's, like, the slightest of movements, but it kills all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Just it was. I didn't notice that on the, fir- on the first watch. I noticed that after I read it in that line in the second watch. Great notice, Gina. Well, in five, I think 501, there was a promo picture that dropped of Burgess and Ruzik going in together. And, like, Ruzik's doing the same thing. And I remember texting Melanie. And Melanie was like, what the hell's the big deal about this? I was like, Mel, it's Ruzik and it's the hand. And you just don't get it. He loves her so much. And she's like, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just picture you and Patty probably be on the same level with that. Like, I just picture Patty's um, rant to us in Lottie's. Oh my god, that was just the best. The best. Yeah. Uh, not only does Ruzik love Burgess so much, Patty loves Burgess so much. Like, yeah. Yes. So Ugh. good. So from here, we have a bunch of scenes that are just kind of getting into the nitty gritty of the case. So Mitchell was a journalist for an entertainment magazine. There is a subtle nod in this moment because Platt comes in and Platt's like, I want to help. And Yes. They're all about to ask if she's okay. And she's like, I swear to God, the next person who asks me if I'm okay is not going to be okay. But then she has a really subtle little nod with Burgess where she's like, no, I'm okay. And Burgess nods and is like, okay. That was really sweet. Yeah, and there's another nod, too, between, like, um, Antonio and Platt, which I thought was really – because, like, obviously, again, you know, Antonio is the one who helped Platt in back all those years ago. And then the Platt-Burgess dynamic that we used to see so much in season one, two, and three. Um, so, Yeah. Ooh, I, yeah, I gotta. Ooh, I gotta look back on that one. That's a that's a relationship I need to see more of. I need to like see more of Antonio and Platt and their history and stuff like that. Need to see more of a lot of things. I was again because I was watching season one. It made me just remind me how good Antonio and Jay were, and we haven't seen any of that in a long time. Ugh, I know, I know, I know. So bomb and arson. And Severide. They update Antonio and Al on their analyses of the bombs. Now, you know how Ruzik spoke Spanish maybe a week or two ago and we were like, dude, that was hot. Yeah. And like anytime Rhodes speaks Spanish and we're like, that's hot. Yeah. It's super hot when Kelly Severide speaks Harrison. I'm just saying. Yeah. Like as much as obviously I love him on squad and they're never going to take him and put him in arson. Like I, he could totally go stay in arson for all I care. 
I don't really want to see him go to arson. I want him to stay on squad. But when he's like analyzing a bomb and he's like, yeah, then this was connected to that and that trip this. I'm just like, Kelly <laughs> Severide, you're a genius. Like, t- I don't understand it, but like, keep talking arson to me. Exactly. I'm like, you beautiful blue eyed genius. Oh, my God. Hard eyes. I know. The eyes, though, in this episode, in these episodes. In this whole crossover. Yeah. I, I usually get blinded by Severide Eyes at least one. No, not at least. I get blinded by Severide Eyes like maybe one time an episode. There were like four times in this whole crossover that I was like, eyes. Yeah. Like, just blinded. They're so beautiful. They really so, are, though. I know. Just And the camera catches them just right. And I say it every week, but it's just so true. Yeah. Props to their camera and lighting team. Props to Kelly. Or not to Kelly. Props to Taylor Kinney for those eyes. Yeah, that too. <laughs> God. So Antonio's tip line finally gets them something and they get Mark Tremon. Now, Mark fits the description. He was seen at the explosion and he also worked explosive ordnance disposal in the military. Yep. So they kind of bring him in, but Jay and Antonio have a really interesting discussion here. Yeah. So, you know, they're kind of running through, you know, the details about Mark. And, you know, Antonio is like, well, he seems suspicious. He was there, whatever. And so Jay's like, well, Mark has a distinguished service cross. And Antonio goes, well, that doesn't mean anything. And you know that. And he's like, no, it means he fought for the country. And I give him the benefit of the doubt. I feel like that was a little insensitive of Antonio. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, Antonio was so focused on the victims and making sure that they got, obviously, justice. Uh, But, you know, he didn't really play that he was so blinded by that that like he didn't necessarily go at everything from the detective side I feel like as well as he could have but again this is what I was this is the scene that I was talking about you know they've really done a good job this season of like when they have somebody has a disagreement in the bullpen like showing both sides of the argument and I think this was just a really strong scene it was strong and you know what I thought was kind of odd about it was that Voight kind of played referee yeah we never yeah. see that. No, we never. What usually stays out of it. Yeah. And it just it brought me back to what Jesse had said in his meet and greet last week about how his relationship with the unit is always changing. Yeah. Because in past episodes, I mean, that would be happening and he'd be like, pull it together. We have to move on. He wouldn't usually be like, okay, you know, let's do what one of you thinks. One of you has a good point. You know, he wouldn't really play referee like that. Yeah. Now I'm just thinking, yeah. So I was pretty surprised. Oh my god! I just want to like write a whole like analyze like every relationship with like the whole unit, like and everyone's relationships with each other and their relationships with Voight. Like that's literally like if I was still in school, I wish I could write a paper on this. Right? Yeah. Like I just write your so thesis much, on that. Yeah, yeah. Like I just like I have so many thoughts and feelings and like, oh my god, it's just so well done. Yeah, so well done. So. Rosewater goes and meets one of Mark's friends, and Mark mentions that there was another guy at the station who was actually there to yell at Sherry, and Mark protected her. It was weird. I don't know. But <laughs> not the important the part. Tw- the what? Not the important part. No, not the important part. We go back to the 21st, and oh, look, it's a package. The minute this, like, the guy dropped off the package on the counter, I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Because it was, like, way too precariously pi- like pitched or yep. perched. What's the word? Yeah. It was like front and center. I was like, oh, this is not good. This is not good. Nope. And Platt read the label first. Thank God. I don't think I do that. I'm usually like, open. <laughs> so I'm glad that she read the label first. Yeah. Definitely. She probably couldn't have missed it though because there was a note on it. Yeah. What were you going to say? 
No, it's just definitely necessary to read the um, label in this moment. Yes, definitely, definitely, definitely. So we find out that the bomber sent an IED to the 21st, but it was so hastily made that it probably wouldn't have gone off. So Antonio's just like, yeah, we pissed him off. And this is when they use one of those exterior shots that make the 20, make it look like the 21st is part of like a huge city block when it's not. Right. And this is like I said, like when they're outside in the bomber and like they're, you know, whatever. Um, like that's what I was saying. I was trying to look through that scene and see if I saw where they said like 74th district. And that's what I was trying to look at and I didn't see it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So they find a connection here. And so Sherry and Eric both reported on a story that ruined a man's life. And Larry Shepard apparently reported on this murder, but rumors soon began to circulate that he was, in fact, the murderer. That sounds like a crazy, terrible true true crime podcast, like, waiting to happen. Yep. Especially in this day and age of fake news. Oh, that would be a success. Yeah, and so the there was all this, like, negative PR about it because apparently people picked it up and ran with it because they have nothing better to do. I don't know. Yep. Um, and the paper fired him because of the PR nightmare. And so at this point, Jay looks at them and is like, you blew up one of your reporters' careers over fake news. And I don't know. I mean, for me – This is I, another th- – go ahead. No, no, no. What were you going to say? I was going to say, this is a moment where I would be curious to see what Jesse thinks about it. <laughs> That was yeah. my first, that was my thought. I was like, oh, I wonder what Jesse thinks about this. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But it, I don't know. For me, it was, and we heard we heard the term fake news referred to multiple times in this crossover. And I'm just curious. I mean, it kind of makes me cringe. Does I don't know if it has that effect on anybody else. What, I mean, what do you think? I mean, yeah, fake news is a term that makes me cringe. I think for me, um, it really just it it makes me think of. Um, like, because so when I, I studied journalism ethics in school, and so when I studied it was my fall semester, so the, like, November, like, during the election and, like, when the election happened and stuff. And so every time I think about it, I think about that class, and I think about, do you, did you, I mean, obviously, like, I don't know how big it got outside of D.C., but, like, do you remember Pizzagate? Was Pizza, like, do you know what I'm talking about when I talk about Pizzagate? It makes me think of Pizza Rat. No, never mind. Okay, so there was a pizza place that was, like, really close to my school um, here in D.C. that they had this whole thing because of something that started in, like, a 4chan, uh, like, online group um, about the owner of that restaurant being, like, basically, like, a terrorist. Um, Someone, like, went in there with a gun and, like, almost, like, threatened to, like, shoot up the place. And then, obviously, that wasn't the case. Um, So it turned into this whole thing, but it was obviously all inspired by, like, fake news and it ended up being fake news. Um, and so, like, I just think about that, and I think about that class, and I think about fake news, and so, like, it just takes me back to school, and, like, in that moment, especially because, like, that's a place I frequented, frequented when I was in school, and, like, it was just, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, and it was, like, it, so it got referred to in, like, the national news and stuff as, like, Pizzagate, um, and, like, fake news, and, yeah, because it was at a pizza place, so. This might not be the appropriate time to ask, but what is 4chan? Um, 4chan is one of those, I don't know enough about it, I never went on it or whatever, but it's kind of like a Reddit, like, you can be anonymous, um, like, chat room thing on the internet. Um, yeah, so. Goodness. Yeah, I mean, the term, I I hear the term fake news and it makes me cringe just because it's so dangerous. Yeah, so no, it makes me more, and it just makes me think so much about my life here in D.C. and just, like, you know, the fact that I live, like, three miles from Capitol Hill and, like, yeah. So, 
it just makes me think about DC more than I think it makes me cringe. It just makes me think about my life. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why this is when I started to understand the Antonio subplot, because the whole thing with the tip line was that Jay was like, this is going to ruin Mark's life. Right. And Antonio just didn't care. And then at the end, when they start to find a different connection, Antonio realizes the impact of you know, what? what's happened with the tip line is that people think that he's responsible and he's not. So Antonio finally starts to see the impact. Right. I mean, I, yeah, no, I get it from that since I just think, but in the end, I think the part of the problem with the storyline that makes it lose that impact is that in the end, it wasn't because Ava was putting her life out on social media. It was because he didn't take the chance to listen to her and listen to what she had to say. And, like, if he had listened to her and let her tell her him that, hey, you know, I didn't, you know, I mean, I was at this party, but it was only to really pick up a friend, that, like, it was more a miscommunication issue rather than, like, the social media issue. So I don't think it was really driven home in the end with the social media. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So I yeah. just thought, like, the conclusion was kind of weak. Yeah, I could see that. I could so. see that. So... They get the lead on Shepard, and this is some, like, Harry Potter-level shit that they pull out here. It's fantastic. So, Creepy Voight is standing in the bushes. Totes no big deal. <laughs> just, you know. I love when I look out my window at night and see Voight standing in the bushes. It's oh not gosh. alarming at all. So, Voight speaks into a radio and just says, go dark. And the whole block goes dark. Oh, my God. That is some Harry Potter-level shit. Yeah, like, I didn't think that you could do that, but I guess Voight has power in every part of the city. I just want somebody to dub the Harry Potter movie over that clip of, like, somebody in Harry Potter being like, Lumos, and then, like, all the lights turning out, which I know Lumos turns lights on. I made the Harry Potter reference, and I immediately got corrected, which I deserved because... I was quick on the draw, but oh my god, I was like, oh my god, we just did that? That was some crazy shit. Yeah, so, I don't understand the Harry Potter reference, so I'm glad somebody, at least you could turn to Twitter. In the very, very first book, they show up to uh, drop drop little baby Harry at his aunt and uncle's, and they turn off all the lights on the block to like slip in unnoticed because they're wizards. Okay. You got it. We gotta, yeah, you, we gotta educate you on Harry Potter. It's just, it's, it's so good. Okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> You're like, keep talking, Gina, whatever. Yeah, we'll so, go with that. So anyway, Intelligence raids the house, and I love what they did in this scene because it is silent. Like, there's barely any background music, and they're being all stealthy, and there's like, it's just completely silent. And I love that they went with that because it kind of built the tension really, really well. So they raid this house. They've all got long guns. It's like pitch black out. And Voight finds Shepard's like control room, if you will. And it's one of those rooms where there's like pictures on the wall. There's like string connecting one point to another. And on the ceiling is a picture of Sherry, the reporter. Yep. It is some intense, crazy shit. Yep. So back at the station, we finally find the connection. And it turns out that Sherry tweeted during Shepard's reporting of the murder that he could be the actual murderer. So Sherry was kind of the one that perpetuated this 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 story. And I mean, I don't think she intended for it to be an actual news story. She probably just said it as a joke. Yeah, no, that's what they said. They're like, she probably meant it as a joke, but like, obviously it blew up and Yeah. It was crazy. It was crazy. But I did like how Burgess was like, she was murdered over this tweet and Voight wouldn't even call it a tweet. I was like, oh, Voight, 
Like, that's like me when I can't use words like stan and fleek and lit <laughs> and other words like that. I thought that was amusing. That's so funny. So crazy. But yeah, so they find kind of the connection there. While this is going on, Olinsky works to find out how Shepard found the C4. Yep. And, and again, yes. this is the most we've seen of Al in what feels like years. He got his own like standalone scene. It feels like we he had a couple of them. Seasons. Yeah. It's like, what? Huh? It's because they're trying to set up the fact that, like, they needed him to do something in the crossover because next week, or this week, um, you know, in PD, like, is all about him. Oh, my God. So, like, we'll they needed some kind of bridge being, like, we can't just go in from having no Al to, like, a whole episode about him. So, we got to have some kind of bridge to that. Right, right. Oh, my God. And so, um, yeah, so... He basically, his CIs point him to a man named Malcolm, and Malcolm points him to a man named George Lair. And they're trying to figure out a way to get to Lair, and Upton finds a really unconventional way to get to him. Now, this is where things get a little muddy for me, and I'll, I'll like, circle back in a minute. So, Upton finds a really unconventional way to get to get to him. She presents it to Voight. So, we cut, and Voight and Antonio are at the, or they're at 51, and they're pitching this idea to Bowden. And so, it's like, you know, it's, Voight and Antonio and Bowden and Casey and then Brent and Dawson in the background. Yep. So. I'm really surprised they didn't bring Seven for this. True. Oh, it's because Squad was off shift. Why was Squad off shift? I don't know. But Casey mentioned it. He's like, oh, Squad's off shift, but Severide would be happy to, like, do transport or whatever. That's so weird. I thought all their shifts always lined up together. I know. I did, too. I don't know. My mind is blown. (laughs) Right. What? just crazy so um and before we jump into like how you know this pitch and like this end scene here let's just touch on antonio and ever really fast just because we had some opinions about this so antonio kind of drew some reactions here and i know um vicky was pretty pissed about it she said antonio 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 lead by example we have eva acting like the parent and antonio acting like the teenager makes perfect sense because i was kind of pissed when he told eva that he didn't like who she was becoming that's like a really harsh thing to say to a teenager when i think the whole thing for me was just like give ava a chance to say her piece or at least you know like yell at you like normal teenagers do like he just didn't even give her a chance like he shut her down before she could say anything um and i think that's kind of more like what annoyed me about the whole thing yeah so that was just yeah antonio just had a rough he had a rough crossover yeah he did but it worked out for him at the end, a fire. That it did. That it did. <laughs> we'll talk about that when we get there. <laughs> we will. So anyway, so yeah, we cut to fifty, the 51st, or 51. Sorry, now I'm getting all jumbled. 51. And Voight and Antonio are pitching this idea to Bowden. So basically, they want to use Gabby and Brett to distract Lair while Ruzik sneaks in through the back and puts a cloning device on his laptop because it turns out that Lair is a frequent flyer. And so Gabby and Brett have responded to his place like multiple times in the past couple months because of a heart condition. So the whole idea is to put the cloning device on his laptop. And I do love this, but like I kind of want to go back and see why they needed to do this because I kind of feel like this violates his Fourth Amendment rights. But this is one Chicago. Like, what laws? <laughs> like, like they could have gotten a warrant and been like, I, I don't know. I, I, I think the thing is, though, they didn't have, like, any real, like, you know, they got a tip off of Seattle. Like, I mean, I don't think they really had a, any kind of concrete evidence. But I don't really know what you need in order to get a warrant for something. So, like, yeah, I guess that's a good point. Like, why couldn't they have just gotten a warrant? But 
aren't are CIs like kind of taboo or something? I don't know. Maybe they were trying not to tip off um, Lair and then obviously Shepard. Because obviously if they get a warrant, then Lair's going to be there and he's going to know. And then Shepard's going to kind of, I guess, figure it out that like PD raided Lair's house. So. I don't know. I don't know. But then again, like I said, this is one Chicago. What laws? Yeah, right, right, right. But um, I thought it was great when they pitched this and Bowden gave like an emphatic no. I mean, if you think about it, if you look at everybody in that room, like two of the most important men in Gabby's life are in that room and they're not saying a word. And yet Bowden is the one who's like, no. Right. When I think it's interesting, you know, you have like when Bowden looks to Casey, Casey looks to Gabby, Gabby nods. And then Casey looks to Bowden and like gives him the nod that like it's okay for them to do it. I'm like, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I mean, Casey didn't say anything because he knew Gabby was going to do whatever. She, like, if Gabby said yes, then it was yes. Like, there's no stopping. Right. Her. Yeah. So funny. Uh, but I thought that was funny. And so Bowden eventually agrees, but then insists that he ride in the surveillance van with him. And I was like, Bowden, do we have more in common than I think? Like, are you a control freak? Because that's like something I would do to be like, I need to be there, even though I couldn't do anything. Yeah. That's funny. I thought it was funny when... Um, as oh yeah as Bowden's leaving so Bowden's leaving to get in the surveillance van and he turns to Casey and just goes I got got this yeah I got them I thought that was so interesting because like if you couple this with Cruz freaking out to Sylvie it just made me think that like there's still a little bit of a like distrust going on between fire and PD yeah I like never realized that I don't think I realized that either until you pointed that out in the outline but definitely looking back like PD, like, everyone who works with Voight in the intelligence unit, like, they have to trust them because, like, they're going into these dangerous situations together. So, like, you have to trust Voight with your life, even though you might disagree with him about every little thing. Like, if you're going to work in intelligence, you have to have some kind of trust in Voight. But, like, FIRE doesn't have to. Just because they're friendly with everyone else in intelligence unit doesn't mean they have to be friendly with Voight. And I think, yeah, you definitely see it a little bit. Um, But... I think they trust and they know that PD is going to get the job done, but they still don't trust in the tactics um, than the way PD goes about things. That's a good point. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I I think Casey and Voight have buried their issues from season one. We Um, like to think so. We like to think so. You Cruz know, well, definitely I mean, I, hasn't. Cause he, I didn't know Cruz had a grudge against Antonio. I never even thought for a second. Like, I never thought about that. I was like, oh, my God. I didn't even put that together that Cruz would have a grudge against Antonio. Yeah, and I guess I forgot up until that point. Like, obviously, like, it kind of makes sense to, like, they were in a they're in a love triangle thing so like i get it i get it from that stance on why he's like pissed at antonio but i think i forgot that antonio's really the one who was involved in getting like the whole leon thing and so i would i it makes sense like that cruz has a grudge against antonio beyond brett Mm -hmm. but i forgot about that I did too, yeah. So that was that was interesting that I was like, oh my god, there's still like a level of distrust between them. But I think that's a cool like carryover mm-hmm. and something I wish they – I mean, granted, we don't see that many crossovers, but like something I wish they would explore more. Yeah, yeah, true. Because it was so right good. A, go ahead. What were you saying? No, I said because it was so good in the early it seasons, so the distrust of PD. It was, and then PD became a spinoff, and they were like, oh, shit, now we have to like these people. Yeah. 
It's so funny. Do you want to take it from here, Bryna? Yeah, I can. Um, so yeah, so Gabby and Brett go to Lair's house and they do this wellness check while Ruzik sneaks through the back door and to install this cloning device on his computer. Um, and there's a moment where, is it when Lair's brother shows up? That, I think so. What? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. When Lair's brother shows up and obviously it, they have a moment where Sylvie and Gabby have to like cover and go for it and make sure Adam doesn't get caught. Um, that, you know, Bowden in the van to Voight is like, I gotta call it, like, I've gotta protect my paramedics. Um, yeah. But, of course, Bowden's, like, flipping out, and Voight's like, hold on, like, let's calm down, like, you know, I've got this, like, they're okay. That was funny. I was like, yeah, there's a reason that you're in charge of 51 and not intelligence. Yeah. But anyway, so Gabby and Brett work together, and, you know, they come up with this excuse to keep Adam hidden, um, you know, fam. Fam, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then it works out, and they get everything they need. Rusik slips out the back, and, you know, whatever. Um, so then when Bowden comes back to 51, um, you know, he's kind of debriefing Casey a little bit, whatever. Then Squad 3 gets a call um, for another explosion in a, na- in a resident neighborhood. Um, so they're going over there and kind of, you know, doing their initial check and seeing everything and working on that. When Halstead... Shows up and comes in on his motorcycle. Hashtag blessed. We are not worthy. <laughs> we are not worthy. Um, yeah, and obviously we get Halstead on a motorcycle and Kelly talking arson. So really we're double blessed. Double blessed. Hashtag double blessed. Yeah, and kind of, so the point, so the car had gotten burned down and it turns out to be Larry Shepard's mother-in-law that he exploded. Yes. Um, and so then they have this whole thing that they were like, well, we didn't start checking personal things. You know, we thought we were only having to deal with, like, media members, like, we're basically almost, like, starting from square one or whatever. Um, and there's – then there's, like, a bunch of Brett and Cruz and Stellarite scenes in the middle. But, like, we can talk about that later. Um, so back at 51, Bowden has this hunch that Shepard has some sort of practice facility. And he runs it by Severide because Bowden's like, you know, I know that you and your dad are the really one – are really the ones who are good at arson, but, like, you know, there's this idea of patterns, and, like, you can't have gone through this and not have practiced somewhere and whatever. Um, so, yeah. And so... We get multiple scenes of Severide Eyes. Yeah. Just hashtag blessed. Um, Times infinity. Yeah. So, intelligence. So, then Bowden and Severide go and talk to intelligence, and then they all go out onto the location where they've pinned down what they think is Shepard's practice facility. Um, and then so they, you know, obviously swarm the scene like they always do. Halstead and Ruzik have the long guns and it's such a look. I was dead. Um, such a look. Yeah. And so they get to the back door or the shed. Um, and Antonio's like, Sarge, she's like, want to wait for a sniffer? And Voight literally just kicks the door in. Like, no just wait. Just Voight things? Nope. Like, no even response of like, nope. He just kicks the door in. Just Voight things. Yeah. Okay. So now we can talk about Sylvie and Cruz. Okay. Gina, <sighs> thoughts? Jealousy is not a good look for him. No, it's not. And Cruz deserves to be happy. Like, I want Cruz to find his person, whatever. It is clearly not Sylvie, and this was just annoying. It was annoying, and he just was so, like, I just, I I don't even know. I don't even know what Joe is expecting to get out of this, because he said he was going to bury his feelings. That's not healthy. 
But, like, also, does Sylvie have any idea that Cruz is still in love with him? I think she started to figure it out, especially when Casey tells her, like, you know, Cruz is the best, one of the best guys I ever know and I've ever worked with. Like, that whole scene. But, like, obviously, no one's ever, like, no one says, hey, Cruz still has feelings for you. Like, they're all kind of dancing around the subject. And I think what she really needs to hear is, like, hey, Cruz still has feelings for you. You sh- If you don't feel the same way, you need to go talk to him. But that hasn't yeah. happened. Somebody needs to spell it out for her and just be like, listen, Brett, like, Cruz is still in love with you. It's not something – it's clearly not something she's going to pick up on. Right. And, like, clearly not something she's interested in. No. She's interested in Antonio. <laughs> yeah. So. I, this is just such an interesting triangle. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel bad being on, like, Team Antonio because I love Cruz, but, like – well, I'm on Team Crew's happiness, but, like, it's not going to come from Sylvie. No. And, like, that's made painfully clear. Yeah. So, like, at this point, I just want them to be, like, I hate, I kind of hate now, like, seeing the way that it started to play out, I really hate the fact that we had to go back to Cruz Sylvie. Yeah, same. Like, it's more just, like, okay, Bretonio needed another obstacle. It's, like, what it feels and- like at this point. I mean, we haven't seen any articles or any sort of indication of, like, where it might go. Well, it's not going anywhere. Is it, though? I mean, I hope not. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Because, like, okay. Again, possible spoiler alert, theories, whatever. We all know that Brett is the one that's going to take this pregnancy test next week in the two-hour movie. Like, we all know yes. it's Brett. So, like, We're pretty sure. I'm 99.9% sure it's Brett. Um, I just don't see how... They're going to deal with this and the fact that John Seda is in both episodes and whatever and, like, deal with this and then, like, be like, oh, yeah, that happened. Oh, wait, now we're going to go to Sylvie and Cruz and have them be in a loving relationship. Like, that's never going to happen. Yeah, that's true. If they do, that's then, true. like, oh, God. I know. It's going to be rough. It's just, it's an odd situation. I did like Casey kind of reasoning with her, though, being like, listen, Cruz wears his heart on his sleeve. He cares. Like, I did like that. But it was just the whole Cruz and Sylvie thing is just, it's getting weird. Yeah. It's really weird. I'm just, I'm know. curious to see how, and even, I'm like I said, it ties into Bretonio. And because I, we'll talk about Bretonio a little bit later. Um, but yeah, I, it's just, I'm very curious to see how this fire two hour episode goes. Yeah. Same. So. Same. Anyway, then we kind of need to talk about Hazmat, Zach, and Stella breaking up. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, my goodness. Okay, I thought the the preceding scene with Stella and Kelly was adorable. And how Kelly was like, so what you're saying is you're worried about me. Yeah. That was adorable. I like, I love their flirtiness. Yeah, same. Like, I want them to, like, be in a a flirtationship, like, forever. Did you just coin a new word? Flirtationship? Is that a thing? Has that always been a thing? I feel like I've seen that on Twitter before. I don't think that was me coming up with it. What was like season one of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? They're like, you're like, that I just came up with that just now. (laughs) But I will gladly trademark that shit if I need to. That's so funny. Um, Yeah, I just, okay, like, you can't break up with somebody while they're at work. I get it that, like, all the cards are on the table, and it's quite clear that she's still into Kelly, and it's like, totally point blank it couldn't get more obvious but like you can't break up with somebody at their work when i feel like this because this was not 
clearly not the first time that Zach has noticed it. Like, he says, he's like, I've noticed this happening before. Like, it's not like he just saw this for the first time and then was like, now's the time I need to break up with you. Like, he's seen them having their flirt flirtiness for, like, episodes now. Um, so, like, why didn't you break up with her before? But I guess you thought that, like, you could move past that. But whatever. Yeah. I will say, I'm a big fan of Hazmat Zack in the fact that they brought him on not just for one episode and, like, made his character... Like, even granted, though, he, like, we all knew at some point that they were going to break up. Like, he was on for, like, what, five, six episodes? Like. Something like that. He, like, it made it worth it. Like, to cast, like, a foil to the Stellaride relationship. Yeah. Like, because I think about Matt Miller on PD and it's like, okay, I could have been here for, like, Matt Miller being there. And, you know, if that gave Ruzik the balls to, like, do something about it or whatever. Like, I would have been there for Matt Miller, but Matt Miller lasted one episode, and it was like, well, this was pointless casting. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, I will miss you, Hazmat Zach. You were nice to look at. Yeah. Oh, Hazmat kid. R.I.P. <laughs> um, R.I.P. 2018 to 2018. <laughs> yeah, R.I.P. that relationship. The Hazmat kid I will remember you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so anyway, so then we go back again. This was kind of all those like scenes combined and whatever. So then we go back to like the actual case and we get to see Burgess and Upton do some big things. So they put together the fact that I don't even remember what they put together, but they need they realize they're like, OK, we have to do this now. Or if we don't act now, like we're going to lose um, Lear and then by point lose Shepard. And so like they really got to do this now. So they go to Lear's house and whatever. They go in and they end up like having a fight with him. And Haley ends up putting the gun like right to Lear's head, like a la Voight and every other episode of Chicago PD history. (laughs) (laughs) This was so interesting to me only because of the answers we got from everybody last week when we asked them about the Voight relationship and how it's different with everybody. Because Marina and Patty both said that they saw their characters starting to become like Voight. So I'm wondering if that's true for, like, everybody, regardless of whether they like it or not. Because, I mean, we didn't ask Jesse point blank if that's, like, I don't know. Like, Jesse didn't give that answer, but Well, Antonio wonder... didn't give that answer. Or not Antonio. John did not give that answer about Antonio. Interesting. It, it's just so – I wonder if that's – and LaRoyce didn't either. Yeah, I was just about to say LaRoyce didn't either. I wonder if that's the case for Haley, though, is that she's starting to kind of become like, wait, that was a very, very void move. Which is interesting because I feel like out of all of them, Haley is the one who's so stickler for the rules. Yeah. And I think, I guess you could say not necessarily becoming like Voight in terms of um, LaRoyce slash Atwater, but LaRoyce did bring up the interesting point about how um, he plays with the idea that Atwater, you know, might not want to be a cop forever and that, like, some of the things he's seen that, like, you know, really freak him out and that, you know, he goes through his times where, like, am I really, should I really be a cop? So, like, I wonder if that comes, like, when he plays with that, I wonder if that's based on the things that he's seen just as a cop, like, the cases he's seen, or if that's what he's seen from Voight. And he's like, I don't want to be that kind of cop. Yeah, a good point. I wonder how he plays with that. We still have a million questions. We Con solved nothing. A running list. I know. 
Like, we've already thought of, like, like I thought of the Tory one today. Like, I already, like, I have so many. We need to keep a running list. Uh, before con, we were like, all of our questions will be a- answered. And now it's after con, and we're like, we have more questions. We like, always have so many questions. All of the questions. Yeah. So funny. Um, but anyway. Yeah, so, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to keep going. And it also just, you know, so they end up, you know, Foyt's, like, throw Lear in the cage or whatever. Um, but it also is worth pointing out, International Women's Day 2018, like, hello. That Burgess tackle, I was like, International Women's Day, bitches! Yeah, like, hello, Women's Day 2018. Oh, great. That's what OCE need, needs next year for, like, the 2019 con. They need to get all of the female guests in attendance and have, like, a like Who Run the World kind of photo op. Right, like, they had the PDI candy. Why can't we have the Who Run the World girls photo op? Yeah. 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 Yeah, we need to suggest that to them. Um, mm-hmm. Just call it that, like, who run the world? Girls. Yeah. And then play Beyonce the whole time. That'll be amazing. Oh, my God. So good. I would love that. I would love that. And so people many would pay would just so be, like, much money for that. People would pay so uh, much money for that. Yeah. I would. Yeah, for sure. Um, that would be amazing. So anyway, so after they find the final target, there's, like, this sequence of um, crap. So, PD, they go to the news station first, um, and then turns out the guy, the boss guy, the last guy that's going to be the target, isn't there yet. He comes in late on Fridays, and he takes the subway. So then everyone gets redirected to the subway station, and so they go down, and Shepard's there, like, wrapped in all the bomb stuff and whatever, and everyone's there and Casey and Severide end up tackling this guy and getting the like buzzer thing out of his hand so he doesn't blow up anybody um so yeah he Casey and Severide stopped a suicide bomber just let that sink in for a second Casey and Severide stopped a suicide bomber yep not anyone for PD Casey and Severide that is crazy yeah I love Casey and Severide. Like, is there anything they can't do? No, there's really not at this point. I know. Um, Just. But yeah. Also, the little Jay, Severide, and Casey scene afterwards where they're, like, talking about and Jay gives them props for, like, what they did was everything I didn't know I needed in my life and more. Yeah. It was pretty badass. I was just I'm, like, I'm just still, oh. like, shocked. I know. That's such a great. And, like, to see, like, the interaction, you know, because you really only see, you see Void and Jay. And then you see, like, a lot of 51. Like, you see Cruz and Otis and Herman and Casey and Severide and Bowden or whatever. But just seeing all of them work together. And I'm just like, oh, my God. This, like, it, like it's sad. You know, like, obviously, they're getting ready to stop a suicide bomber. So, like, you're kind of freaking out. But at the same time, I'm like, this just makes my heart so happy. Like, right. <laughs> like, this same. just makes me so happy. Um, well, and the other thing, too, is that Jay mentions Jay's like, no, he had enough explosives to blow up an entire city, city block. block. So he would, I mean, that would have spun off a whole other crossover. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah, that would have spun off into the med portion of. I was going to say, there's your hand off to med. Yeah. Yeah. Goodness. I, that was just wild. I don't know. I did want to throw in, though, the sequence when they're riding from the Chicago Telegraph to Chicago Transit, because they make the connection there. It's like freaking Power Rangers, because, like, you see the shot. There's, like, a shot of, like, uh, truck 81. Sorry. I'm, I'm getting all my numbers jumbled up now, because there's just so much happening. Uh, you get the shot of 81, like, going down the street with, like, sirens and lights and everything. And then you get the shot of intelligence right behind them in the Chryslers, like, sirens and lights. It was just, like, it was like watching Power Rangers as a child, I swear. <laughs> 
Uh, I, I didn't it was see funny. Power Rangers or the original Power Rangers. So, you youngins, you kill me. I know, I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah so that was just a crazy ending. Yeah, so that's the ending of the case. But there's still a couple things we need to talk about. So we, I guess, this is the time like to talk about Bertonio because the episode kind of it, it like ends for the most part. There's a scene of Molly's and obviously everyone's hanging out, whatever. And there's like a Dossie Bertonio double date. Probably not a date thing. I don't know what the hell's going on if you're calling it a double date or not. Um, mm-hmm. Scene going on, and then it leads to Bertonio and not Bert- not Bertonio again. Brett and Antonio. I was trying to like say whatever. Uh, Brett and Antonio making out and hooking up in whoever's car, like they're teenagers. This, yeah, like they're teenagers. Yeah, Derek had teased this and said that it was going to be steamy, and he made a reference to Titanic. And I get it now because there was steam. It was, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I thought the makeout session was great, but otherwise I really don't have a ton to say about it because, like, I love them together, but the on-again, off-again, it's starting to become exhausting, like, to the point that I'm like, you know what? I'm going to jump ship until you guys get your lives together. Right. Well, and it's so much of them making out, hooking up, like you said, which is great. And I didn't mind this at all. Like, I thought, I mean, you know, I love Fratonio, so I thought this was really great. But, like, all I could think about when this was happening was you saying, like, a couple weeks ago that, like, it was probably going to be them reacting to the events of the day, which clearly it was. Um, But I also agree that they need to make up their minds, you know, and like I said, I'm curious to see how the two-hour fire movie goes. Um, but it also just really makes me think Kara pointed pointed out in her in the meet and greet she made a reference and she was like yeah like you know I really hope we get scenes together that like involve talking like I really hope we get seen because like all you see of them is like hooking up yeah and like which is great but like I'd rather as much as I love them hooking up like I'd rather have a scene of them like talking about hey why can't we be together like why do you say we can't be together when I think we can at this point like why do we keep breaking up only to find ourselves attracted to each other and like keep hooking like you know i'd rather have a conversation about it right right yeah exactly exactly just i'm yeah i mean it was great it was a great makeup session i'm just a little bit like i'm like okay listen i'm not gonna jump back on board again just for you two to be like "Mm, we can't do this like it's getting old yeah like i just i really want them to be together because i love brett tonio but like this is getting old it is getting old. And, and that's what they were saying, too. Like, they were, you know, like, they were talking about, like, they, like, they were both talking about, like, you know, obviously, like, we understand, like, you have to go through back and forth or whatever. But, like, it is getting a little bit old. And I'm just like, yes, thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. So it's just, yeah. The last thing is that last Stella ride scene. Well, wait, wait. I want to go back to what Rachel said about Bretonio real fast. Okay, go back. Because um, remember how Derek had mentioned that this was going to be like Titanic or something like that? Yes. Um, one of our listeners, Rachel, she tweeted out and she tweeted all of her thoughts about the show. And one of them was like a standalone thought. And she just goes, I'm no history buff, but I believe the Titanic sank. And I thought that was so funny. I was like, that's a little harsh, but that's also hilarious. Yeah, it's a little harsh because I don't want Bretonio to sink, but like really funny. And you know what I thought about, too? I thought about after the episode, once we saw that promo, too. Like, I'm almost kind of nervous for Brett. Like, what if she is the pregnant one? Yeah. I, like, I just, I have, I don't know how this is going to work out. I just have a lot of thoughts, and I'm, yeah. I don't know how this I, is going to go. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't either. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, Stellaride, go ahead. Yeah, okay. So the last thing we have to talk about is that last Stellaride scene. Um, so I don't remember exactly how it happens, but it ends up with them sitting together watching an old movie. Oh, 
Stella's about to go to Molly's, and so she asks Severide if he's going, and he's like, no, I think I'm just going to stay here. He's like, you can join me or whatever, and so they end up, like, hanging out on the couch, like, watching an old movie, and, like, snow's coming down, and it's, like, cute and adorable. Um, yeah. So. I noticed that Severide was watching an old movie in this moment. I don't, I never really got, like, I didn't clear it up. I was like, what the hell is he watching? Why is he watching an old movie? I would never peg him for that. My mom says he was watching Rear Window, which is an old Hitchcock movie. Um, I guess I shout out to your mom for figuring telling us that. (laughs) Shout out to my mom. I've seen Rear Window. It's actually not bad, and I I think that's a movie that Severide would watch. I don't know. I just was like, what's he watching? That's so. Why is he watching an old movie? But that's that's what my mom says he was watching. Um, but yeah, when they like when they sat together, I thought it was the sweetest thing. But also like the minute she like put her legs across him and they were just like sitting there, kind of like sort of cuddling, I was like low key or not low key, high key Shay vibes. I told you. Yep. I told you. Like, for me, I, again, I love their flirtiness. Like, I'm all for all of this, like, adorableness. I don't know if I see Stella as his person, so I don't ship it. But I loved everything we got this week from them. I mean, I think Shay was Severide's person until she died. We've had this conversation before. I would totally call Shay the love of his life. Oh, for sure. So, I mean... I could totally see. I mean, she was his person. I could see Stella being his person. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. I just, I, I think we like we were talking about the last time we talked about this in our episode forty four. Um, I think I need to see a little bit more of like Severide being willing to like, be like, hey, like you know, I'm ready for a commitment first before I'm like, okay, Stella's his person. Yeah. So. Yeah. Crazy. But so that's everything that happened in the crossover. Yeah. Uh, just wow. So much. Yeah. So, so much. Uh, craziness. You know, some other, yeah, just absolute craziness. Uh, some other little thoughts that we had from other listeners. I know Carlin had said something. She said, you know, I wish we got to see Upton interact with the fire characters since it was her first crossover. Um, she said, I think we only know, she only knows Will from Chicago Med. I think that's right. But that would have been cool to see Upton interact with Casey and everybody. Yeah, it would have. That would have been cool. Yeah, that's that a good cool. point. That's a very good point. Yeah. Um, we also got one from Kate, and this one's a little alarming, because Kate said, I read Rick Eyed said that this is probably the last crossover. What? I'm sorry, what? Um. Yeah, Kate, where did you read that? Send it to us, please. Yeah, what? Where? That's not okay. I have feelings. Like I that. don't feel like that Derek's going to let that happen, but I could be wrong. I hope not. Yeah, it could be wrong. So, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, anything else that you uh, have to add about the crossover? No, I think we added all our thoughts. This was a long episode. This is our longest episode officially. Yeah, this is so, so long. We had so if much. If you've talk made about. it to the end, if you are still with us, congratulations. Yeah, for real. Because <laughs> this is our officially our longest episode. Um, yeah, for so. Real. As always, you can find us all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and now we're on YouTube, too. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Make sure you go check out our vlog. I'll retweet it at some point this week. Um, Our vlog is pretty great. Brenda did an awesome job putting that together. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. So, yeah, um, our schedule for the next couple weeks. Next week, we don't have fire this coming week because you'll be listening to this on Monday. We don't have med this week either. Yeah. So, this will just be PD. I think uh, we'll probably release PD on Friday. 
and then yeah we'll talk about that but yeah well yeah we'll figure it out it's 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 a relatively normal schedule basically just keep your eyes peeled to social media you know the drill um guys if you've made it to the end of this episode congratulations yeah congratulations and i I would hope that you like us if that's the case um if you do like the show please tell your friends tell everybody um rate and review us on itunes please 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 and yeah i mean i'm trying to think of like what else um follow us individually on twitter i'm at gina watches tv brina i am at brina k13 ashley is at ashnick 095 and that's nick nic there's no k we miss her terribly i know what um, hopefully this week we will all three be back together hopefully fingers crossed yes and um we're gonna try something relatively new going forward we're gonna try and integrate more of our listeners into our recording so for the two-hour fire movie coming up we are going to have jessica join us for the recording so that's gonna be a lot of fun yeah looking way forward to that and if you want to follow jessica on twitter you think she'd care if i gave out her handle i don't think so okay it's mrs mrs lt severide yeah so mrs lieutenant severide yes she cleaned dibs um but yeah she will be joining us for the two hour cross or not crossover two hour fire movie and we're super excited yeah and yeah i think that's about all we've got send us emails always email us we love that yeah meet us at mollies at gmail.com and we will see you guys on friday so everybody have a good week and we will see you then yeah bye, bye.